Bum 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 Gluteus Maximus This recording will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mates Rate and Review. Oh, we're doing another review. We are. The spin-off podcast to one of Keanu Reeves' favourite podcasts that he may or may not have ever heard of. In this second episode, we're going to deep dive and review Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part Uno, or One. The seventh film in the Mission Impossible franchise. I am host number one, Gaz Carr, and I am joined by my perennial number two. Hello, my name's Dan I'm the sequel. That's my number two. So, we are going to give you a brief spoiler-free review, but then we're going to our favourite holiday destination, Spoiler Beach, on the coast of Spoilopolis, and dive into those spoilertastic waters and explore Spoiler Reef, tragically spoiled by the presence of man. Or man-child. Or men-child, Ren. Us. Dan, what do you got? Did you write that? I wrote that. That's really good. You know I wrote that. You're looking at me reading it. That's really good. (laughs) I'm still... I'm crying a bit. (sighs) Did you like that? I did. I live to make you laugh. Spoiler reef. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just hear about all these unspoiled reefs, and I thought, well, this one's going to be spoiled. So last night we went to see uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yeah, it was called Dead Reckoning, wasn't it? It was called Dead, 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 Reckoning, Reckoning, Part 1. That was beautiful. Thanks. That's how they wrote it on the screen. Right, should we get into the... Yeah, we've uh, dawdled too long and my tea is almost gone. So, anyway, into our uh, spoiler-free review. Brief synopsis. Very brief synopsis. So what was the, what was the film about? The film was about... It's about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically... The spoiler-free review is, this was fan-fucking-tastic. It was great, wasn't it? It was absolutely amazing. It, it was, was non-stop. In some of the scenes of this film, it's so tense, you're literally on the edge of your seat, and you're like, uh, you know, you're really feeling the anxiety of what's about to happen. And the last time I remember feeling that was in that final sequence in Top Gun Maverick. Oh, Thomas another, Cruise. Another Thomas. Yeah, so when this film started, it said a Tom Cruise production. Mm-hmm. So we all know that he's got quite a lot of clout. star power and clout yeah. and and he does produce these things so it's no surprise but i just i don't know i found it quite telling do the other mission impossible films or the later mission i would impossible? say they yeah are. yeah i would say tom tom fallout Cruise is been probably a, a yeah tom Cruise maybe is, maybe maybe the last three have been tom Cruise joints so so from what i've from what i've heard um i, I, I think i remember seeing an interview maybe a graham norton interview i don't know with tom Cruise, where i think and don't don't Correct me if I'm wrong, internet listener. Um, nobody cares, man. No nobody cares. To this. So I think I remember uh, him saying that the like someone asked him, "How do you get to do all these stunts?" And he said, mm, "You basically make yourself a producer. You make it into your contract that you are a producer, and then you can do all these stunts." So the producer would be worried about the star. Yeah, I think. And so. if you are the producer and the star, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, you just sign off the risk assessment and go, "Yep, Tom can do that." Absolutely, I am he. So anyway, back to the spoiler-free review. The film uh, jet sets around the world. There's lots of uh, exciting action sequences that that primarily, I'm sure there's CGI in there. In fact, I know there's one bit of CGI in there. Um, but primarily, 
they I, are. I would say that there's lots. Yeah. But it's... it's um, no, but there's one bit that I'm pretty sure I've heard of is a fact. Oh, I know. But I, it I think I know what you're going to say. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't detract from it at all. No, not at all. And there's there's the distinction between is it is it CGI or is it a visual effect? Because CGI implies that it's com- the whole scene's computer generated. Well, we'll 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 delve into that one yeah. when we get there. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> only other film that we reviewed, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah. Our principal complaint about that, well, certainly mine, was that the action was there was an awful lot of green screen actors in a studio, and you could just tell. And I don't think we had that with this. In fact, I, you know, it, it didn't feel that way, and it felt. I think this is part of the the crew's production machine. Yeah, is that it needs to be as real and, and as practical as possible. And there, are, there are car chases. Can't respect that. There's train work. You know, there's motorbike stuff, and it's all real. And I think that that goes back to what I was saying about how. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat. The 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 the, the anxiety that you feel is because that these actors, they're doing stuff, and you can see that it's real to them, even though they are acting. That the, they don't have to work themselves up into it. Okay, so we're just sitting in a pretend car in front of a green screen, and suddenly yeah. we got the we film got a couple been... of set hands either side that are jiggling the car around. Mm. That they, they don't they don't need to work that extra hard to act like they're in jeopardy. The film has been crafted in such a way to make your immersion more so. Well, the, the the other thing that you can see as well, like so, like let's again compare Tom Cruise and Harrison Ford in this. Is that fair? <laughs> Not really. Harrison Ford, eighty-year-old man. Tom Cruise, sixty-year-old man. Sixty-one. Sixty-one now. I don't know what, how old he was at the time of filming. So this was all filmed. This was filmed during COVID. You've checked this out, have you? I have checked we, this we, out. We spoke about this afterwards. We mm. sure. And it was filmed. So, yeah, Dead Reckoning Part 1's been waiting to come out for wow. a little while now. So or he's been in post for a, for a while. I don't know what the delays were. But, yeah, this he, was the classic, uh, not too long ago, the big rant from crews yeah. talking to crew about wearing their masks and, you know, you are, and you know, we are showing the world how we can still make films, even in the pandemic. Come on, buck your ideas up. It's, yeah, it's really... He said it a bit harder than that. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again, ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. It's really interesting, isn't it? You hear the Christian Bale rant. Yeah. Um, you hear the Christian Bale rant and you go, I lost an awful lot of time and respect. And that was for because that was because a man was trying to do his job. That's because a man walked into his eye line looking at the, the lights because that is his job. I want you off the fucking set, you prick. Uh, and then you then you hear that Tom Cruise does this rant and you go, Well actually my respect levels have gone up for you because he ran to, I don't know exactly what he said, and I'm only going off a very vague memory. He said something along the lines of, we are showing the world that we can do this. The film industry is depending on us to keep film alive. No apologies. And you are letting the side down by not obeying these, these COVID restriction rules and the, the risk assessment rules that we've put in place. And he got very, he got annoyed, but it was like a manager talking to their crew mm-hmm. rather than a diva exploding yeah. on set. He wasn't divorific. No! Don't shut me up! Am I going to walk around and rip your fucking lights down? But let me ask you this. Do you think that was a publicity stunt? No, I don't. No? I don't. Do I don't because was... 
I think it, if it wasn't I think someone, stuff. I think if if Tom Cruise started going off on one on set and you were on set I, in in the modern era, I think people would be kind of like, my phone is out and I'm recording on yeah. instinct. So yeah, I think it would have been captured. I I think yeah. There's also there's lots of sound recorders around who are always recording stuff like Christian Bale knows very well. What don't you fucking understand? Yeah, to his detriment. Um, yeah, no, I I think that uh, if it was a publicity stunt, it was a hell of a gamble because depending yeah, on how could the have public come off sounding like a like an absolute dick, yeah. which I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did. I, I, I mean, think I, I think that holds that against him. Some people portrayed it in the media as him being dickish, and I think that the vast majority of the public went. Actually, fair play. We're all having a hard time, and Mr. you're just Chris. trying to make it work. Yeah, good on you, old Tomo, friend of the podcast. We do well, don't we? We do. We got Keanu, we got Tom, uh, Anthony Hopkins as well, I believe. Oh, I got a Tom Cruise. Allegedly, I, I got a Tom Cruise story that allows me have you? to give us actual have you met? credibility. I have. You've met the Cruise. I've touched him. Have you? Or should I say he touched me? Now this sounds really? like it's a story that's going to have a dark twist, but it's not. Oh. Uh, no, I was working as a camera operator, and he was at an event, a royal event, with the Queen and everything. And El Madge. El Madge, rest in peace. And yeah. she, she, Tom Cruise was on the was on a stage. He may identify as a she. You don't know. I don't know. I'll ask him next time I see him down the pub. He was across the way. He was on a stage. I'm filming him and others um, saying happy birthday to the Queen and things like that. And then at the end of the event, he crossed the arena, and uh, there's lots of other people's Helen Mirren. Um, name dropping now. Uh, Damien Lewis Clang Clang We'll put some sound effects in there And um, uh, and then Tom Cruise is part of this um, Throng of uh, famous lovies Coming across, walking past my camera And he puts his hand out And he, and he says well done And he, he took me in hand One of our team was uh, part of a small OB Filming a interview series At a London hotel For I want to say the last Mission Impossible film, or it might have been the one before that. And um, and yeah, Mr. Cruz was there, and uh, she got to meet Mr. Cruz. And apparently, his people were all going like, "No, you've only got ten minutes with Tom. You've got to, you know, you've, you've got to wrap it up." And then Tom Cruise was like, "No, no, 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 take as long as you need." It was just like absolutely lovely and sweet. And then afterwards, he was stopping to take pictures with all the people who'd been there. And and our team member, she got a lovely picture with her and Tom. And apparently, he was just a really sweet bloke. Now, I don't know how much of that is genuine or if it's, you know. Well, like he turns it on. Like he turns it on. Like I think he does. I think he's trained NLP himself. Yeah, I think he's trained himself to be a persona but what I would, in front of people. Yeah. But it's, it's a good one. Yeah, so, so what, I, what I would say is that. Maybe we where, could all learn something from Tom Cruise. Yeah. Whatever his initial motivations for it are, who cares? He's, he seems yeah. like a, a really nice guy. So should we... Uh, so yeah, get on with the film. We haven't, we haven't really. Uh, I haven't spoken about the film at all. Barely. Yeah. No. Let me take you back to the um, to that opening credits. Yeah. So it says Mission Impossible. Lovely Mission Impossible. Quite late up they were, weren't they? They had a big cold open. Mm. I think we'll come back to that. Uh, it says Dead Reckoning is the subtitle, and then it said Part One. So you expect all of those words to be written there because that's the name of the film. But just I felt like the Part One element of that font was kind of slapped on a little bit later. It's a slightly different font. It 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 doesn't feel like it blends into the rest of the title card. Are you saying that are you saying that they that you think that they filmed a, a long, long film and then went, "Now we better cut it in cut this in half, man." It's seven we're hours not long. we're not Peter Jackson. No, no one's going to sit around Snyder. for this. <laughs> it's good, but it's not that good. Can, well, going back to that Part One thing, 
I remember going to see Dune with you. Yeah. And in all the press for that, it and the trailers, because I did watch the trailer for that, because my view on trailers is that if you don't know if you're interested in the film, watch a trailer. Yeah. If you know you're going to see it, then don't bother watching a trailer, because then you're just going to spoil bits for yourself. Take some enjoyment away from yourself. But on the on the trailer, it just said Dune. Yeah. All over the place. Dune. No part one. Nope. And then we got into that cinema, we sat down, and it came up with Dune. I think I looked to my right to like adjust but- my drink or something like that. And I looked back, I heard you do like a little yelp, like a little like girly a little squeal, oh. like a little sort of, you know, like, yeah, like a little neutered dog. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I, I sort of like looked over to you and I was like, well, what, Dan? Because I looked back up at the screen, the title had gone. Uh, and you said, it said part one. Said, what? What do you mean part one? We were not apprised of this situation before we came into the cinema. Yeah, and we paid full price tickets. We paid full price tickets. For half a film. For half a film. Fuck this. Yeah. Tim- Timothy Chalamet. Where's my money? Absolutely. Oh, I love June, by the way. It was great. Really looking forward to part two. We've had a lot of that recently. Yeah. So we also had Into the Spider-Verse. So was um, uh, Was a one part. Was a, or, yeah, part one. Uh, well, no, uh, Across the Spider-Verse, wasn't it? Yeah, so Across the Spider-Verse was In- Into the, Spider-verse the first, was the first part first of... Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's part of a trilogy, but... Is it, what, is it Beyond the Spider-Verse or something Beyond the like? Spider-Verse comes next, but it really felt like, you know, like it just ended on this cliffhanger. But uh, that's forgivable. And then Fast X... Like, yeah? Fast X ends. Is that It just ends. One? Yeah. So oh, wow. Fast and the Furious 10 is Did that do Fast with... and the Furious 10 Part 1. So it's Fast and the Furious 10A. Yeah. I, as you know, I'm not a, a fast fan. Mm. I, I, I do mean to watch them. I'm sure they're lovely. I just got turned off by the first one that was basically a remake of Point Break. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, beat for beat. So there was no preamble to that. It didn't say it at the beginning. It didn't say part one on it at all. It just... I I believe with Fast X, it just just ends. Oh, my word. And then it's like, come back for part two. Bring your money. of biatches. My God. Vin Diesel's ego. what have you done? Is out of control. Have we done enough... Of the plot of this no. to dive into spoilers. God no. no. I mean, I don't so think I don't we've to... talked about the film yet. So uh, we move, we go around various different uh, cities. We've got the United Arab Emirates. We've got uh, Amsterdam. We've got Venice. Venice we've got yeah. Rome. Mm. You know, it's it, it's a globe trotting film. It's international. It is, and they they don't even uh, they don't do the travel by map because that's too slow for them. They travel by cut, and they just cut, and they're in the new place. You would have thought they'd travel by burning fuse. You'd think so. Oh, I'd enjoy be, that. That would be good. A map with burning fuse on it. Come on. That would be so good, just leaving the map charred behind it. just makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, it? It's, you know, submarines in the Arctic Circle. And they're searching for keys that yeah. will open up a Thing. MacGuffin. MacGuffin. They are searching for, yeah, essentially, essentially the whole film, a bit like Dial of Destiny, is a globetrotting search for an artifact. Yeah. The, the, the two are quite similar. There was quite a few bits... Whilst, watch, whilst watching uh, Dead Reckoning, it was kind of like, oh, they, weirdly, you know, because those that, films were made at the, were shot at the same time. Yes, that's the point. <laughs> well done. You've made, you've made that sequence but infinitely better. Mission Impossible. It Good feels for you. Like, yeah. It feels like that there were two different sets of crews that could do all, not Tom Cruise, two different sets of crew that could do all these sequences and they went, we'll take the good ones. Yeah. That's, that's, Tom, that's Tom Cruise producer Suave Powers. Absolutely. Gets everyone in. But then also you've got um, sequences in, again, 
I don't want to keep talking about the Fast and Furious films, but in the latest one, in that Fast X, I believe that there are um, chases through Rome, and they don't look as good as the Mission Impossible one. So one thing that I do know about the Fast films, or one thing that I've observed from some of the action sequences that I've seen, is that they are heavily artificial. Yes, I would say that as the films go on, they start to blend, but... Yeah, heavily. I mean, the first film almost has like anime elements to it. With uh, like when they hit the nitro on on that, they kind of like go into warp speed, and mm. it looks ridiculous. Um, I mean, that's that film's going back a bit now, so fair dues. But um, yeah, the Mission Impossible films, all all the stunt work, all the car chases, I never really looked at things and went, "Oh, that's a composite." Yeah. Oh, definitely. There was, I think, there was one overhead shot where the timing of the movement of the vehicles looked slightly off slightly and it this this lasts frames it did not bother me at all but i think i saw something that looked like a bit of a composite um and i could be wrong and i'm happy to be wrong so as i said we're going to do a very brief spoiler free review and mm. our brief spoiler free review is brilliant go watch it go watch it give uh, tom cruise all your money it's definitely great. see it at the cinema yeah oh yeah definitely we saw it in uh uh, the Odeon Lux in an iSense cinema. Not sponsored. Not sponsored by... No, we're not sponsored. And the iSense cinema is not sponsored by Apple. I don't know why it's called an iSense cinema. Mm. Can you hear that bird? Oh, yeah. We should kill it. <laughs> Said the proper ornithologist in the room. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to close the window? I wanted to kill it. So, yeah. So, our brief spoiler-free review. Go see it. Yeah. And um, I think, a bit like with Maverick, go and see it in the cinema. Absolutely. I think it's absolutely worthy of a... Of a cinema screening. Yeah, what was I saying? We we, we saw this in an iSense mm. cinema in an Odeon Lux, and by and I, and I was, God. But I was incensed by the price. People are saying things like Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise would even say this about himself, that he's trying to save cinema, that yeah. cinema going is becoming a less attractive thing for people, mm. mainly because we keep putting films to home release quicker and quicker and quicker. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do believe that Tom Cruise has fault and one for dead reckoning to have a longer or more traditional cinema release of i think it's like 90 days or something like that rather than there's these new deals where they cut it in half mm. and you can have 45 days in the cinema and then it's it goes on to streaming like the flash is on i mean the flash is in a lot of trouble that film but it's now on sky you can download that you can watch that at home is it sky store though it's not oh i imagine you've got yeah, yeah, you've got, you've got, per- got yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah let me yeah let me no, I'm, say that I'm, you have to pay for it, but but am I going to pay for a film um, at fifteen pounds, a one-off purchase? And people would, I think, sadly, people would rather spend a small amount of money to watch a film in their home with their loved ones on the sofa than go to the cinema, which well, is a shame. It's a real shame. Well, but you, the conven, I think, as a species. We crave convenience. Yeah, well, as, if you think about it as well, fifteen quid, fifteen ninety nine to download yeah. the Flash instead of paying that 10 per pound, person, ten or fifteen pound, ten fifteen twenty pound per person. Yeah, and everybody's got a big TV these days, so they go, "Well, what's yeah. the difference?" There is a massive difference. People go to the cinema; it's fantastic. Yeah. So, are, are we at the point? So, our spoiler-free review is really: it's just go and see it. It's really good. It, 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 Tom Cruise is fantastic. Hayley Atwell's fantastic. Rebecca Ferguson's st- fantastic. All the stunts, all the stunts. Uh, Peg and Rames, brilliant. You know, uh, a great scene that seems to have been cast out of 
British comedy gold, Mark Gatiss and uh, Rob Delaney. I know he's yeah. not British, but he's over here all the time. So you suspected that they were filming maybe at Pinewood yeah, or because, Elstree. Yeah. And Mark Gatiss's American accent was like, no, perfect. It was really good. Yeah. I, I sort of approved of his hair as well. I'll let him know. Yeah. Friend of the show. League of Gentlemen, friend of the show. Yeah. And then he did that Dracula thing. and I've not seen that. Don't. Okay. Don't. Who else did we have in that? In that scene with uh, Gatiss and Delaney? Uh, oh, Carrie Elwes or yeah. Ewers. I'm not sure how you, I'm never sure how you pronounce his name. His from, name. from Princess Bride. Princess Bride, Saw. Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Robin Hood, Men in Tights. He's brilliant. And unlike some Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. He was. He's very, very good. And I kind of miss him from cinema. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. Are we going to put on our snorkels, strap on the old Speedos and head down to Spoiler Reef? We're going to look at all the spoiler fish. Yep. And the spoiler puss. Uh, what? Mmm. Okay. Delicious spoiler puss. Oh, like an octopus. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Yeah. Spoiler rana. Spoiler shark. You did better with your spoiler puss. Thanks. It's all right. I'm going to end it there. Yep. Spoiler lobster. Spoiler lobsters are blue until you cook them. That's right. And they go red. So, the film opens on a submarine in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. Yeah, underneath the ice shelf. With uh, Russian gentlemen with Russian speaking gen- Russian, and then they kind of overlay the English and the Russian at the same yeah. time, and then it just goes into English. I love I that. I thought that was quite good. I love that. They, they did for something very similar in the film that I'm about to reference, because I was about to call that submarine the Red October, because it's a silent, uh, stealth submarine that oh. no one knows where it is. Yeah. They did that in, um, in Red October when Sean Connery... No, sorry, when the political officer reads from a book... Uh, and he reads in Russian up to the word Armageddon, which is the same in both languages. Very clever. I love it. It zooms in towards his mouth as he's as he's speaking, and then when he hits Armageddon, goes into English, and it pulls back out again. Love it. Do you think that was a production choice, because Sean Connery refused to speak with right. any other accent than his own? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. He, well, I mean, Scottish, Russian, and Scottish English. It's the same uh, this this uh, this hunt for Red October ship, the stealth ship, is uh, is doing manoeuvres in the Arctic Circle. They're bragging to each other about the fact that they've. This uh, is the best submarine in the world. Yeah, they're bragging to them about. It's invisible to everyone else. And they're bragging about the fact that they've snuck up on every submarine class from all the other countries. Yeah, and all without the, them, detecting. all the shipyards and all the yeah. depots, and we've been there, and no one knew we were there, and we and, we are. The dog's bollocks of submarine boys. Yeah, and they've got this uh, super, uh, super sonar rig. That's like a big round room. Yeah. That they go that when they go into it. I thought that's a mini cerebro. Yeah, or mother from Alien. It felt yeah, like that. Yeah, I know yeah. that's not like a well, round room per no. se, but it, was about it a felt like size. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden they make contact with a, a U.S. sub. Uh, that's yeah, that, is, that is moving, and it's moving too fast. Yeah, it's moving in a way that is not natural. It, it comes in too quick. Um, and they but all was, of their readings tell yeah. them that it's there. Yeah. Their sonar is pinging off the thing. And, and, and interspersed with this action, like you're going back and forth to the computer of this sonar rig. Yeah, the, 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 the whole thing that makes their sub so amazing mm. is this kind of um, computer program and computer brain inside the submarine um, that they say is called dead reckoning. Oh. We we are we are. It's all thanks Did to they say that? dead reckoning, and then it's never said again throughout the whole film. Oh. And I found it kind of weird. Yeah, 
that that happened. We'll we'll get on to that. So uh, this enemy sub, for some unknown reason, launches a missile at them. So they launch countermeasures. Nothing happens. So then they launch their own missile at the enemy sub. And the enemy sub then disappears. And this missile never hits them because yeah, it was they're never kind of, there. They brace for impact. Yeah. They can see it on the sonar screen. And then, yeah, it's as this torpedo is meant to hit them, nothing happens. It's a computer ghost. It's, it's obviously a fake ghost, image. Ghost in the and then, we may be able to convince the sensors that an enemy ship is approaching. Their instruments would lie to them. If I am successful, the computer will project a false image of the enemy ship on the main view screen. So unless someone runs to a window and looks out... They're going to fall for it. And then as they are sort of like going, huh, well, that's a bit weird, uh, the... In Russian? No, it was in English. Yeah, but you made it sound like they had a pipe in their mouth and they were wearing slippers. That's a bit weird, Jarvis. I say, old chum, I would say, I would think that's a little bit weird. That is queer. Yes. Yeah, so this missile that's heading towards them disappears. Uh, They've launched their own missile. They go, oh, that's a little bit strange. Uh, And then while they're sort of standing around pontificating, uh, the the captain says, just just cancel our missile. Just, you know, call it Yeah, I didn't know you could cancel torpedoes. Yeah, yeah, just, just, uh, just, uh, just. Tell it, tell it, go home, rest. Uh, so it's like the mo- the mod the modern torpedo can be is Bluetooth. Yeah, it's Bluetooth. And no, I, th- be- I think this is something that I mean, if even in Humphrey Red October, when uh, Admiral Jim Greer, played by Darth Vader, um, that they, they have to fake the explosion of the Red October, so the Americans drop a missile and Jim Greer explodes it about two hundred yards from the red october mm. remotely so yeah so that's always been a thing with at least film missiles yeah i don't know how true it is in real life but in the films they've always been able to remotely detonate these things someone's going to tell us because someone talked to us about trains so oh, I, I imagine that someone will talk to us about submarines uh so yeah but how do you how do you detonate a torpedo giant red button giant red glowing button yeah but unfortunately sadly doesn't work. Doesn't work, does it? No. And the, the guy that operates the red button has been hitting it quite a lot. Yeah, he's like, and I pressed an, it once, it didn't work. And then an officer comes over and he goes, get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to press the it's, red button. And it still doesn't work. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when you get to the lift and you're waiting for it. Yeah. You've pressed the button and then somebody else comes along and presses the button again. I'll oh, that's that. going to do it. I'll do that for you. Yeah. I've pressed it. These three other people that came up, they've pressed it too. We're all waiting here for the lift. The light is on, but you pressing it, that's what Stand got Stand aside, here. citizen. Yeah. I've used lifts King before. Arthur is <laughs> about to pull that sword out of that stone. Ha! My magical power of retrieving the lift. Of being here a bit later than you, so the lift come, seems to come quicker. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I did it. See, I pressed the button and the doors just magically opened immediately. No need for thanks. Yeah. I'll take money. Just worship me. So the missile then swoops around and... Oh, sorry, the torpedo... Uh, then yeah, uh, get it, get it right, or we will get letters. <laughs> the photon torpedo then swoops around. God. The photon torpedo then swoops around and impacts their own ship. Yeah. and Sinks them. Yeah, whacks them right in the propeller. Yeah. And th- and then we see uh, the uh, the the frozen bodies of the crew floating up to underneath the ice shelf. One of them who has a a strange looking key on a chain around his neck. Yeah. Just I mean, we've seen, we've seen him. We've seen the two officers use the key to unlock the the computer brain. Yes, and then they put those around their necks because they're two separate keys. It's some kind of security measure. And yes, they are, now there are two officers and gentlemen uh, that are underneath the ice. It's one of them, they? Richard Gear. Yeah, I'd watch him drown. <laughs> Fuck, dark. <laughs> 
So yeah, you see, you see the whole crew, the whole crew leave the submarine. Yeah, I know. And strangely, how did that happen? Yeah, and also strangely, the torpedo. The, the submarine seems to be in pretty good nick at the bottom of the, the ocean. Com- well, the computer graphic showed the torpedo impacting the stern of the submarine. Just one torpedo hit in the back of the submarine. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's where the actual torpedo hit when you see it. It hits the back propeller, as you say. Yeah, the front. Right in the stern. Right. Mm. Take it. The front dome of it is, like, intact. Yeah, and, and, it, and that's it, where the officers were. Well, no, the officers are sort of in the middle, aren't they? There's always that knobbly oh. bit that they go up. There's a ladder and there's a periscope. You remember? Sure. Okay. So I don't, I don't remember seeing that bit destroyed, but literally every important character on there yeah, leaves the floats submarine. out of the submarine. Maybe they... Perfectly intact. It's not like there's a torso with missing arms and legs well, floating up there. Speaking of perfectly intact, when that missile hits, yeah. did you see the bit when all of the other missiles flew off the shelves and yeah, crushed yeah. those men? Oh, yeah. Uh, ouch. Ouchie. I felt that. They got an ouchie. Yeah. Yeah. Watching that moment of the officers somehow miraculously leave the ship. It's like they did it of their own choice. I'm not standing here. And they get out. Does that work? Can you do that in a submarine? I don't think so. So I've got a little note here, because I, I, much to Dan's chagrin, I took notes last night. Yeah. Yeah. In the dark, a, I couldn't really see what I'm writing. But Gareth, what I did write... Gareth is a professional. What I did write was at the point when the own missile hit the submarine, Yeah. I wrote this note. Dan laughs. <laughs> <laughs> care to uh, uh no i did care to yeah. explain that i don't know it was it was a uh, was i laughing in the face of death because i'm not scared of it no, that's not true no um yeah was it schnaudenfreude what's it called <laughs> schnaudenfreude schnaudenfreude that's when you laugh that's when you laugh when the when a little dog hurts schnaudenfreude <laughs> Miniature Schnauzerfreuze. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can laugh at film pain. Yeah, yeah. I just, it just what I, I don't it, remember laughing. I remember, I remember, you know, inhaling through my teeth. Don't get me wrong. There's a, there's a bit <laughs> later on where I laughed and I audibly heard no one else in the cinema <laughs> laughing. And I thought, oh, well, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit off there, but never mind. So, yeah, watching that moment of uh, the, the gentleman leaving the submarine. Yeah. And their bodies floating up to underneath the ice shelf. Mm-hmm. Very sad. It reminded me of. Well, you weren't laughing at that bit. No, because I was having PTSD. Okay. Of when I used to be a submarine commander. <laughs> of when uh, you were on the Titanic. No, I remember um, uh, going around my grandfather's house as a young boy, and he was watching a a film of uh, that had a submarine in it that was taken on water. Yeah. And you watched. Yeah. You what? I can't tell you what this film is. Because it's a secret, because I can't remember. <laughs> but um, you watched the um, crew trying to get out of rooms that's filling with water, and you watch mm. them drown, and you actually watch uh, their stomach contents come out of their mouths. You like you see. Hold on, this was real. Was this it? is a well, it's a film, but yeah, um, yeah, it's not a dream. Um, no, but I mean, like, is it documentary footage? N- no, or? no, 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 no. It's just I don't know how they did it. They, they, it's oh, fake. Okay. It's, it, it's it's acting. They're okay. Well, they were. This is an old film. From 1942. Yeah, yeah, they're still kicking. They're still kicking around. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it gave me the fear, the oh, fear wow. of drowning. Drown- yeah, do you know what did and that for me? In general, um, uh, the abyss. Oh yeah, that gave that for me the fear of drowning. Mm. Remember, like when like the fear of Jim Cameron. Fear of Jim Cameron trying do to it drown again. me. Jim, it's getting dangerous. Do it again. Fear of acting with Jim Cameron and drowning. Yeah, yeah. I want to do it for Jim. <laughs> 
because it's because he's so cool. Mm. I've been underwater for a long time. It's like Kate. Let's just see how long you can hold the water. Is, is this Kate, Mary, is this necessary? Ed. Well, I'm thinking of Kate Winslet and Titanic. I know. Yeah, they, I know. yeah, yeah. They made her. He, he made her hold her breath for like six minutes or something like that. Wow. Moving on. So then we cut to Amsterdam, my favourite city. And this is the scene where we're introduced to Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt. A complete Ethan Hunt. Uh, and they're saying something up in this scene, which I didn't realise until now, which is this new person in the IMF. And he said, you made the right choice at the end of it. Mm. And that sets up the choice that he's talking about later on. Yes. Mm. This is yes. But we'll come back to that. Mm. Never yes. see that guy again. No, no, this is this is literally just the, the scene where he gets the tape recorder. Yeah. Should you choose to accept That's it. It's probably going to self-destruct. In five seconds or so. Yeah. I, like, I can't remember which one it was, but one of them, it didn't self-destruct after five seconds. It might have been on a phone or something like that, on like a payphone, and he went back and like gave it a kick and it did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a good gag. Oh. I tell you what, that's something about this film that I kind of wasn't expecting, which was that it was so funny. Some bits of it were so funny, yeah. and, and appropriately so. It was never tongue-in-cheek, it was never... And it, it's not only from Peg. Either. No, no. It's not like, I know he's no, no. kind of meant to be the comic relief, which he was not he wasn't, I don't know. He wasn't too much, he, no. he had a couple of funny lines. I think He's not a goofy character. I think Peg in this is quite, is more, he's a bit more of the heart, he's a bit, he's a bit earnest. So yeah, so we're literally in Amsterdam for him to receive his... His orders. His orders, yeah. And, his mission, if he chooses to accept it. Uh, and, he's, and he meets this new person to the IMF. Uh, I wrote down the quote that he says, which is, we live and die in the shadows for those we hold close and those we never meet. Yeah. So that was nice. Protecting my friends and yeah. the world at large. So I have this problem with the Mission Impossible films, is that I can't remember much of them. <laughs> so I love them. I absolutely but but love them when lot, I'm watching them. There's a lot of detail, you know. Yeah, yeah. And all the, the the actual the espionage and the who to trust and who to mm. not and the red herrings and the who you're meant to be looking out for. There's a lot, mm. there and is. it tries to trick you. But so I can't remember what happened films. to uh, what's her name, Michelle Monaghan. There's no mention of of that character in this. No, film. there's mention of another love, unknown interest, love. Yeah, right at the. This, it, it's not at the beginning. Is it? I did, there's a flashback at some point to uh, this this early love of Ethan Hunt's that the 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 instigation that yeah. so that's meant to be pre uh, pre number IMF. one yeah. yeah that's before he joins pre Emilio Estevez yeah God can you imagine a time before Emilio Estevez absolutely I mean no no I was I was very, I was actually quite disappointed in number one that Emilio Estevez was killed quite so quickly. by elevator by or lift, lift yeah. as we call it over here absolutely you traitorous bastard yeah well it's an American film yeah so, uh, so it's yes. a lift with a massive spike of death on it. Yeah, because you know they do. They have those, don't they? I imagine. I imagine John Voight put it there. Spoilers. Yeah. So Gabriel, played by I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Do it. Isai Morales. Beautiful. I think that's correct. His, his first name is about E S A I, but I'm not familiar with that as a first name. So no. Isai S A, maybe. So you see him throughout the film. Yeah. The character Gabriel, mm. the main antagonist, kind of, of the film. Um, and you see him in that flashback sequence, and he's younger. Yeah. Yeah? Not younger. So he's been de-aged because there yeah. should have been quite a long section of de-aging mm. of uh, young Tom Cruise, yeah. young Isai, and um, the, the, the the love interest who's killed, who I couldn't tell you who that was, I'm afraid, the actress. 
Um, although she did get a title card at the beginning. Who are we talking about? You're talking about the main love interest who was killed? No, 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 no. In the in the flashback, the oh that love interest. She got a title card. Yeah, because I think they filmed quite a long sequence with young Ethan Hunt, her, and the young bad guy in this whole de-age sequence. Oh. A lot like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now, question for you: Do you think we're going to get that in part two? I don't know. So what was said so what by the director you... okay. is that... You're they... about to answer the question that I was just about to ask you. What was your question? My question was going to be, so what, what, makes, you, what makes you think this? Because uh, I know. <laughs> because the direct... What makes you know this? Um, I read it in an article with the director. You read stuff? You can read? Yeah. When did this happen? Basic words and shapes. Oh, okay. Oh, well done. Thanks, man. That's good. Yeah. Now, so go you. The director and the filmmakers, the editor, they built out this 25-minute sequence of all the de-aging and of um, this antagonist from the film being more so in terms of killing Ethan Hunt's lady love at the beginning, and this Mm. is why Ethan Hunt hates him so much, Mm. which, without this sequence, you do feel kind of like, why? what's the problem here? Why does he hate him quite so much as he does? It, it's justified yeah, to a degree, it's but... teased in flashbacks, but it really is only teased. Yeah, but the director's comment was, I'm watching this great technology of this de-aging and this young Ethan Hunt, young Tom Cruise, but that's what I was watching. That's what was drawing my attention, right. was the effects, yeah. um, brilliant or not, um, and the fact that I'm I'm looking at that going, wow, look at him, he looks... He looks he looks 30 years younger. But so, I wasn't following the story that I was trying to tell. I was distracted by the effects. So we're, we're, gonna, we're throughout this film, probably going to be comparing it a little bit unfavorably to Dial of Destiny. Yeah. Do you think that, that he's already comparing it unfavorably to Dial of Destiny with the de-aging? And like, yeah. you're watching, because like that, that was like I, half of our review of the first section of the film was like de-aging Mad Mickelson, de-aging Harrison Ford. Yeah. Because you only see the the younger Gabriel in in like these little snippets, the effect is very good, but it doesn't take you out of it at all. And mm. Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt is seen in silhouette most of the time. Yeah, in those shots as he's cradling the, the I don't even the dying remember body the of, his... of Tom Cruise. I don't I don't remember. I don't think you see it. I don't I don't think you see it close up enough. I don't think you see it at to all. It matter. I, th- yeah. I think it's quite to deliberate it for it to matter. I think the director has deliberately removed those sections. Now, he says because it took him out of the experience, maybe it just didn't look good enough. Maybe. I mean, how long was the film, do we know? It felt like nearly three hours, but I don't think it was. Yeah, so I've got the IMDb page here, and it's two hours 43. Yes, yeah. yeah. So close enough. I mean, so close probably enough. ten minutes of credits for that, so that's two and a half hours, a good two and a half hours. But I think that would, yeah, I think that would have, this was a 25-minute sequence, so it would have pushed you over the three-hour mark for this part one. Mm. Or like you say, maybe they are holding on to it. Maybe they're refining it for part two. Maybe. maybe. And we'll get more of that um, that motivation of why Ethan Hunt hates Gabriel, the antagonist, quite so much. So we will move forward in the film in time. So I think from Amsterdam, we then cut to the Arabian Desert. Mm. Because uh, the mission that he's been given has been to find his love interest is flame from a previous film, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, who plays Ilsa. 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 Ilsa Faust. I want sure. to say Faust. Uh, and she's got a $50 million reward on her head. Uh, and yeah. and it's to retrieve this key that she has. So the guy that sent Ethan Hunt out, he put the bounty on her head. 
Yeah, I th- well, I'm not. I'm not. And sh- he's released well, bounty hunters. Yeah, so he did, but I'm not sure that that's clear at this stage. I think that there is a fifty million dollar reward on her head, right? Dead or alive, but it's not clear that he has been the one to orchestrate this okay. at this stage. I don't think it is, anyway. Mm. Um, but she is. Uh, do you know what? When the tape recorder uh, was first playing, and we heard Kit Kidrich, Kidrich, yeah. Kidrich's voice. Uh, I thought, is that Jeff Daniels? And it wasn't, and I was disappointed. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen Jeff Daniels. So we're in the Arabian Desert. So following on from that, uh, the mission that he's been given, he, uh, we cut to, travel by cut, to the Arabian Desert, where we find uh, some bounty hunters chasing down. I wrote a little thing down here as well. <laughs> uh, so there's there's a dune, and hiding behind the dune... Part one. No. I mean, yeah, you see other dunes later, maybe. Uh, there's a dune, and hiding behind the dune is Ethan Hunt, uh, as these bounty hunters uh, gallop off on their horses. And Ethan Hunt is lying down, like, with his horse. Yeah. And it just, it reminded me of the scene from Airplane, where, you seen Airplane? Yes. Where the, uh, where I can't remember, who's, is it Kramer's wife or something like that? Is, uh, says, you've got to go. Uh, my, my husband will be home soon. You've got to go. And she pulls back the sheet and a horse gets out of bed. An adulterous horse. Yeah. I wrote down, making sweet, sweet love to horse. <laughs> <laughs> Hunt is hiding from these bounty hunters and they go off over a dune and he, part one, and he follows on his horse who does not at all feel violated. It did the violating. It did the violating. <laughs> so Tom Cruise gets on his horse and he follows the bounty hunters. I mean, this was a little bit. I did go kind of like, okay, it's a desert. It's like, it's not like you can hide in traffic. It's like, no. how do they not know he's following them? Uh, but let's assume that he's following from su- sufficient distance away that that they don't spot him until he's crouching down over another dune when they've pretty much surrounded her. He hideout. signals to her with his compass or something yeah. that's got glass and. She knows she that knows that little him. flash is him because yeah, yeah. maybe it was Morse code or something. Maybe. Um, and he's doing that, and then yeah, someone else sees his flashing. The old reflected it's sunlight not, thing. It, the flashing of the sunlight. Yeah, not the yeah, flashing yeah. of his uh, of his business. Okay. So yeah. So uh, business, all this. I meant penis. Yeah, got you. Ah. So then a firefight ensues, and all these bounty hunters take on uh. Uh, Ethan Hunt and uh, Rebecca Ferguson has a uh, sniper, sniper rifle. rifle. She so, takes so, people out. So Tom Cruise is on his horse in front of all the bounty oh, hunters. With machine guns. They've got machine guns. They're now, chasing yeah, him. They're firing they're into this four sandstorm. yards away. Yeah, and they hit nothing. <laughs> hit nothing. It's great. And I, I, I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, you might not be able to hit Ethan, but that horse is shredded to pieces. But That's, never mind. That sexy horse is dead. <laughs> so, yeah, Tom Cruise is going to be mourning more than one love interest in this film. Once you go horse. You never go back. Once you go equine, <laughs> nothing else is quite so fine. <laughs> so, something else that I read in that same article I, with uh, again, I doubt the you read anything. Like, what's the director's really, name? Do, this do gives away get, that I didn't read. Do you anything. get it to read <laughs> stuff out to you? Yeah, iPhones, audible. Oh, it's uh, Christopher Macquarie. So, in the same interview with Macquarie, the director, he revealed why. Ilsa's character wears the um, the eye patch when she is sniping. Oh, okay. I wondered that myself. So it makes a lot of sense that like she would cover really her. Really bright. She, well, she would cover the 
the eye that she doesn't want to use now. A lot of people would do this by closing that eye. Oh, yeah. But um, uh, so she's got like a, I don't know, like a dominant eye for sniping with. But the reason is, is that the actress can't wink. She, she can't can only blink. So she couldn't keep her sniper eye open and close her non-sniper eye. Do you know how you could have got around that? Go on. Had her put her eye up against the eyepiece yeah, so and then you can't, can't see it and then, she just and then close both eyes. Yeah. But no, but, but no, we needed to throw money at it and art and design prop work and costume at it and they made a little eye patch. I mean, it was a lovely But it looked eye. really cool. It looked really so, cool. And I thought, ooh, prob- she's a pirate. Yeah, probably the right choice. Yeah. Anyway, so after the uh, ensuing gun battle where Ethan is uh, raiding her hut, that's not a euphemism, they, uh, he gets in there just in time to find her lying on the floor, seemingly dead. Did you did you fall for that at that point? Not, a, not, not in the slightest. Not no, 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 and then cut no, there to. There was no, there was no blood. There was no wound. It was she was just laying down, I and thought, I do that all the time. I thought that sequence, by the way, was very uh, computer game, uh, like Call of Duty, like going through, yeah, uh, shooting uh, things. Yes, took an awful lot from that kind of style. Yeah, that's it. Not, <laughs> not a big comment. Liked it. It's good. It was a good scene. So from this scene, when we when when Ethan has found Ilsa, yes, seemingly dead. From this scene, we smash cut to uh, an, an assistant to IMF director Kittredge uh, arriving at some secret organization uh, where they are going to explain the basic plot to what's going on. Oh, to the exposition meeting. Yeah, the exposition meeting. Yes, exactly. With, with Gattis and Delaney. With, yeah. So yeah, this this Gattis, adjunct arrives, goes through security, and he walks. And he's the weirdest looking he's man. He's the weirdest looking man, and, and you're he's like, so you're, suspicious. You're a bad guy. Yeah, or... yeah. I thought he was a bad guy. Or you're something else. I thought he was a bad guy. Like yeah. the whole way through that scene. He's the most suspicious looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Albino looking yeah, chap. He's got like the, 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 the like devil eyes. Yeah. And anyway, he walks into the room, and as my my lovely colleague here said, in the room are sat Carrie Elwes, Ewells. I I don't know how to pronounce his name. Neither does he. No, no. Mark Gatiss, and and what I wrote down here in my notes, Papa Bear, uh, (laughs) because I couldn't remember his real name, but he's the the guy who played the guy without superpowers, but has got type 2 diabetes. And a fantastic moustache. In Deadpool too yeah yeah uh rob delaney's his real name uh, yeah and obviously kittredge is also in there have i missed anybody there was another guy that there, there were um a number of other officials uh mainly from american government uh, and other governments from around the world charles parnell was also in there oh wow yeah they're just they're telling you the the background plot of everything that we've witnessed in the submarine they're explaining all of that to you see this is the scene where i said that everyone was english but charles parnell isn't Although I did look him up, and it says he was born in Hyde Park. And I thought, that makes him English. Hyde Park, Chicago, Illinois. Ah. He's the guy who played uh, one of the admirals in Top Gun Maverick. So, obviously, a oh, okay. friend of Mr. Cruz. Yeah. Nepotism. Yeah, so the, the big the big exposition dump here. Big dump. Dumped all over us. Tell me, number two. It informs you of the entity. Yes. And they call it that through most of the film. It said the a lot. The entity. Yeah. And it feels a bit silly. But the entity is... Artificial intelligence. The entity is. You know what the entity is. I know what the entity is. Begins with an S. Sub submarine. No, no. <laughs> Skynet. Oh, it was very Skynet. The entity is Skynet. It was very Skynet. And it's yeah, in it's it's it's, uh, yeah. it's been in the internet for God knows how long. It leaves no trace. It yeah. deletes itself, and it's found its way onto that submarine, and that's what caused well, they, the, they, the the tragedy of that submarine. We crash. find out much much later that they sent it onto that submarine. Uh, as a test, 
Right, to infiltrate yeah. this um, which sort Russian of, super sub. Which, again, so that, that I got a little bit confused as to how if it didn't originate on that submarine, because it wasn't part of the super sub, it was sent onto that super sub to infiltrate the... Because the, you see the graphics change, don't you? Yeah, from, yeah. from like a, a normal kind of computer screen mm. to this round graphic that represents the AI, mm. the entity, as they call it, which I don't know if I cared for that. The entity, no. I get, I get what I, I suppose I didn't want to keep saying AI all the time. I mean, so some people did say AI a fair bit, but entity not seemed, as much as the no, word not entity. as the entity. No entity. Yeah, no, I was a little bit. But you have to have something to name your MacGuffin. Yeah, but it took on almost like supernatural it elements. It wasn't as bad as Avatar's Unobtainium. Well, no, nothing's as bad as Unobtainium. No, it's like God, it's not like three billion dollars a sequel or something. It's it's on a lot. Why? Why? Because it's visually stunning. It is visually stunning, and the film itself is, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. But I don't understand that. Anywho. Yeah, so we, we get this exposition dump that, that there is an AI that, like as Dan says, is out on the internet. Yeah. It's been You're there right, for, Skynet, yeah. for a long time, and it basically, basically the film then explains that who controls the AI will control the world. Yeah. You know, like, and so all the superpowers in the world, all the, all the independent states are after it, and the reason that they know that everyone's after it is because no one's talking to anyone about it. If they were talking to each other about it, then they'd, they'd be working together, but everybody's going, oh, we don't know about that. Uh, uh, wink, wink. Mm. And this AI has decided that it will infiltrate the the secret elements of the government, things mm. like the the spy world, IMF. Yeah. So this, and- this facility that they're in is where they are downloading the internet, uh, well, they yeah. every no, it's not the internet, but it's everything that they've got digitally. They are transcribing onto like paper backups, pen, pen and paper, and yeah, and, yeah. Um, it's not good for global warming. This kids, this film is very the carbon footprint of this film. Is, it's it's large, it's atrocious. So in this scene, mm. still in the exposition office. So we're going to call Carrie Elwes or Yules Wesley or the Dread Pirate Roberts from now on because we're not sure how his last name's spelled and this is sorry we're not sure how his last name's pronounced and this embarrasses it's us. It's his own fault. It's his fault. It's his parents' fault. They should have changed it to something sensible. But Dread Pirate Roberts is, seems to be some super organizer of, of 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 the spy world and yet he doesn't know what the IMF is. He's, he's, never, he's yeah. never heard of it. He's like the the secretary of something or other in the yeah. United States government, which is apparently a big deal. He doesn't just type letters. No, he's very um, he's very important. Doesn't get coffees, and he has to be told what the IMF is. Yeah, yeah. And by Kittredge, I had forgotten what those letters stand for. Did you? Yeah. Oh no, Impossible so, Mission Force. I was... What a ridiculous, what a <laughs> yeah. ridiculous name! And I laughed um, out loud and audibly in the cinema. And they actually uh, acknowledge that that is a daft name, but it's great. That's stupid. Yeah, but it's from the seventies. Impossible Mission Force. So yeah, so the, the sort of the themes of this film are around the sort of the global fear that we have at the moment around AI and yeah. around what I think Stephen Hawking called the singularity. I don't know if he coined the phrase, but the singularity is the yeah. point. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, so I don't need to blind you with science. You, Not today. You fucking jingles. Not today. He blinded me with science. 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 For the listener, the, singul- the singularity is the point at which AI will sort of achieve self-awareness and consciousness Mm. and it's not clear whether or not we are bordering on the edge of that happening right now or if it will ever happen it's not clear that it can happen 
in something other than an organic brain. But it might do, uh, and it might happen tomorrow. Do you think that term comes from... Does it come from like Asimov? When Singularity, he, he, possibly. Yeah, I, wonder I, if, don't know. I wonder if he coined that. Anyway. I don't know. I've read iRobot, but that's as far as I've got with Asimov. So, yeah, so they're saying that this en- the entity, the AI, that it has become sentient. Yes. Yeah, so we're, they're, in the world of dead reckoning, they already have mm. the singularity. And so at this point, you start putting together that it was the entity that made that imaginary submarine in the oh, opening scene. Yeah. Uh, and that it, it, it has planted this ghost in the machine of this pretend submarine and made them destroy themselves. Mm, which at first I thought, why why would it do that? Because it, is it on the submarine? So this is the bit that I don't get. Can it move from the submarine? I don't know, because everybody is now looking for these two interlocking keys. Yeah. Which I thought, I thought primarily they've got loads of pictures of these keys. Why don't they just make more keys? Yeah. So let's assume that there's some weird technology stuff inside them because they've got so many detailed, down-to-the-millimeter pictures of these keys. Yeah, and they say you can only verify if the keys are real when they interlock. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's just a singular groove. Yeah, yeah. But it's to do with the, the fact that they light up. Yeah, they've got lights on them. So. And they blink in blink. sequence, and then it goes, yep, I'm a key now. Yeah. And at one point in it, Ethan Hawke... Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Ethan Hawke, yep. the actor Ethan Hawke. Hawk. <laughs> Ethan Hunt says that there's like a radioactive element inside the, the keys that allows him to track it. He says, the dragon egg inside of it allows me to track it and its radioactivity. So it's, made out, and, it's made out of the same stuff of the ones in Harry Potter. Sure. It's got a dragon egg core. And <laughs> But he, sa- he says it like that must mean something to someone in terms of radioactivity th- and how you trace it, th- it but he said it, it's said in such an offhand way that everyone Ving Rames and some people just go yeah dragon eggs yeah. I think it means the same as a flux capacitor oh okay I think it's what's known as bullshit science well, well they usually explain bullshit science a bit more so you go oh, okay I get that it, he made it sound like it was Even a real thing in the world and maybe it is and I just do not I've never heard of it no maybe Tom Cruise has but then he's better than me so I had to I had to think about it, and I think maybe it was only towards the end of the film that this started to, to coalesce in my mind that the entity, the AI, mm. it isn't hiding in the submarine because it can go this around is, the internet. This is what confused me. Yeah. Okay. So, but its source code, which is the only thing that can you can use to kill it, oh. exists on a hard drive that was shown quite a lot in the opening sequence and in flashback. Was it? Yeah. So this code that you can use to, I don't know, to unravel the AI is only on a hard drive that is locked in a safe that is on a submarine at the bottom of the ocean. And that's what the keys get you into. And this first film is all about getting the keys before you can get on the sub. So the second film will be about the race to the sub and finding it because no one knows exactly where it is except for the Dread Pirate Roberts. (laughs) Well, it's lucky... That he's a pirate. Yeah, that's Looking how we know. He's a nautical man. Yeah, that's how he knows about it. Yeah, that took me way too long to. Well, it obviously took me longer because you've just told me <laughs> to understand it. Because I didn't real, I don't remember seeing this you hard think to drive. Yourself, okay, so the ship, the the the, the submarine has got the AI on it because yeah. you see it. You see yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. round. This, this was what I was. And then it sinks itself. And you're like, why like, would it? Do, why yeah, would it yeah. try and destroy itself? But it's not. It's hiding. It kills all uh. the people on board. So it, and it's and, hiding and that's at the bottom why, of the ocean, or it's hiding its um, it's hiding its Achilles heel at the bottom of the ocean. And that's why the missile 
hits the stern. Because I th- it likes I th- it in the stern. Because it likes it, it likes, yeah, that's where it likes its violent entry, is the stern. I think that the shape of a submarine is to do with the sonar, that big bow wave, that big bulbous thing. Where so I think I, the captain sits, but they, the, it yeah, it's not. I think that that's to do with like the sonar and stuff. And I, I want think, to sit up the front. Yeah, I'm yeah, the captain. Absolutely. So I suspect that that's where this, this giant room is, and that's why... It, oh, the big cerebro. Yeah, and that's why it's... Uh, it, it crippled, protected that yeah, area. Yeah, pr- protected its. But why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it destroy its, the source code completely? Maybe it needs it. Yeah. But if it needs it, then you kind of go. What happens when it loses power down there? Yeah, I mean, okay. So if it's a nuclear powered sub, then that's uh, not going to happen for yeah. a very, very long time. Fair enough, fair enough. But you say that, but like the power relays and the things that transmit the power around it are going to corrode. I mean, if we if we look at the the titanic it's getting to the point where there's very little left you know it's it's rotting away yeah and that would happen to the submarine as well so like all right so it's 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 newer and it's different materials to the titanic but 150 years it'll probably be gone science anyway and anyway it's at this point in this exposition scene where the dodgy looking man in the corner Mm. at some point hands a small box to kittredge uh and uh kittredge goes confused looks at him and who was in the first film right yeah, yeah no yeah, i didn't yeah. realize that he was in the very first mi film yeah yeah i think it's the bit when he, he explodes the the massive fish tank and then jumps out of the then the restaurant not a friend to fish tom cruise no no he loves a horse he does as often as he can so adjunct in the corner hands kittredge a small box and then it's a gas mask and he looks over at adjunct in the corner and he's put this other gas mask Johnny on Albino. Johnny Devil eyes and he's got three balls in his hand yeah that he's gonna that he's starting to throw at out the window or something just to, to explode like them throws them up into the throws them up into, into the, the ceiling yeah and they burst into gas into a green noxious so, gas and Kittredge immediately puts on the gas mask and everyone else is knocked out yeah because because up until this point I thought that he was a villain of some kind and that was yeah, a nefarious guy he was going to kill them all but then of course it's a mask yeah it was a mask and, uh, yeah, Cruise pulls off the mask and underneath is Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Little Tom Cruise. Little Tom Cruise. Now, did you see that coming? No. no. I, did, I didn't until I only saw that coming when we panned down to see the other people were unconscious and not dead. Dearest listener, I understand that you are angry right now because Gareth just said panned down instead of tilted down. For all the filmmakers listening, we apologise. Gareth feels bad. Please don't hold this against Gareth. He's a beautiful man with a delicate soul, and all he wants is your forgiveness and love. Yeah, I mean, I I guessed it. I didn't know. I guessed it early on. When they lingered on the um, Johnny Arbano's face when he's entering the building, and they kind of like scan his face to make sure that he's the real Very offensive Johnny to Arbano's. <laughs> they know what they did. And it lingers on that, and it kind of it, it shows you that it's it's read his facial structure and his eyes. And I just kind of went, yeah, I bet he's not. I bet that's, yeah. I bet that's not him. Mm. And also, I was uh, he felt like a throwaway person as well. He definitely was. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of guessed, but maybe I, maybe I only believe that in retrospect. So anyway, at this point, we get more info dump. Tom Cruise tells him that he's got the key, does he? And that Ilsa is dead. Does he tell him he's got the key? Yes, yeah, that he got it from her and that she's dead. 
Except. Except. She's, she's blood, not. She's bloody not. She's bloody not. But anyway, yeah. it's a, it is also at this point that we get the opening credits. Yeah, it's it's a long, it's a cold long, open. cold open. Yeah, yeah. We've had a good half an hour of film, I think, at this point. Yeah, to the point where you you've accepted that you're watching the film now. You don't need to be told what the film's called, and they bloody do. At that point, Tom Cruise then escapes, and how does how's he going to do that? He puts on Kittridge's face. He does, doesn't he? he yeah. Does. Kittridge is saying, "How the hell are you going to get out of here?" And then he shows him. He shows him, and he does. He kind of go. He's stilted. Oh. Yeah, and then he gets shot yeah. with a tranquilizer. Yep. But that was a strange moment when the security team call up the office and Kitteridge, without saying anything, lets them know that he's in danger. But he hires Ethan Hunt to do all this stuff. I know. He so why is he kind of like, but yes, he's playing, I, am in, I am in danger, yeah, please come immediately. Yeah, he says, he says if, you, if or you're in danger... is that a front as well? Are you safe right now to speak? No. If you're in danger, then hang up the phone within the next five seconds. Five, four, click. Yeah, I don't understand that. But anyway... Maybe he's maybe, maybe he has to he has to deny any knowledge of. At that point, did he find out that Tom Cruise had the key? Though I think he did, and I think I that, that, so. Was, that so that was what he wanted. Yeah. So Tom Cruise had that in the room, and I think he suspected that Tom wasn't going to give it to him. There, Tom. Unlike the horse. <laughs> anyway, so the next scene we cut to is where's the airport? Abu Dhabi. And uh, we're back with the whole team. We've got Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg, and that is the whole team. That's it now. That's it. Yeah, everyone else is dead. They are looking for. Somebody who's got uh, the other half, the other half of the, the key, key, which we can detect because it's radioactive or something. It's yeah. got a dragon egg. It's got a dragon egg in it. And while about? we are also looking for the key, there is a special forces team looking for Ethan Hunt, who arrive on those fancy helicopter plane things. That I love. Yeah, and they refer to him as the shape shifting mind reading agent of chaos. Is that what he says? That's what is exactly nice. what he says. And that's, that's good. <laughs> and they make him sound like again like he's some the Martian Manhunter. Yeah, some super spy. He is like the two of those is the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Shape shifting mind reading. <laughs> and he's afraid of fire as well. Yeah. And being dumped by his horse. <coughs> so in the airport, uh being chased by the special forces team and they're trying to chase this key. They're trying to detect it. So we've got Ving Rames on the computers. Uh He's a computer boy. He's a computer boy he, and he's artificially putting Ethan Hunt's face on other people so that when they try and track Ethan Hunt through the cameras, they're detecting the wrong people and going after them, and it's all fun and yeah. games. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And then we are introduced to Hayley Atwell's character, yeah. Peggy Carter. Yes. Oh, no, uh, sorry. Grace. Grace. Grace Kelly, no. Grace Jones, no. I don't think she had a surname. Which brings up an interesting point. When Ethan Hunt meets her for the first time, mm-hmm. and he introduces himself, and she says, you can call me Grace. Like it's a name that she just made up because she doesn't want to give herself away yet. And then we just run with that for the rest of the film. I didn't spot when you see her actual genuine passport at the end. Did you see the genuine one? Yeah, when she hands it over and says, I want you to protect this person. That's ah. got to be the genuine passport. Mm. So I think when when we rewatch, and I'm sure we will rewatch. I'll watch that again. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. We will have to check that out. But yeah, yeah so he means- but it felt like she gave herself a an alias and then it becomes her actual name. And I imagine... If I paid attention to the credits, that's how she was. What was the significance of the zipper? Was the zipper the thing? He could trace counter? that as well, yeah. He could trace that with his glasses. Uh, okay, yeah. Because it gave off a little bit of radioactivity. Yeah, had a, had a dragon egg in it. Yeah, um, or two. And he was wearing, was he wearing aviators? Were they aviators? Aviators that allowed, that had so, super computer super tech aviators, in them. aviators, yeah. We're introduced to Grace, Hayley Atwell, 
uh, because she has lifted the key off the mark. Yeah, so she's the, a she's like a super super thief, uh, a super thief, a, a cat she's burglar cat type person. Yeah. yeah, cat. She's black cat she's from Spider Man. Yeah, I would like my one. As soon as it's noticed that the person they are following with the key no longer has the key, Tom Cruise uses his super aviators to uh, spot it on Haley Atwell. Yeah, and then they uh, they go to the nearest Weatherspoons uh, and have a conversation. So throughout this whole sequence, uh, we've also uh, we see little bits of Gabriel, the main bad guy who killed Ethan's first love. What a git! What a git! We see him wandering around the airport. He's not picked up by anybody, but it's just it, this is our first sort of introduction to him, isn't mm. it? And you go on from there to work out that he is being protected by this AI. He's yeah. kind of the he's the uh, He's, he's 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 the personal assistant. He's he's like the familiar of yeah. the AI. Ooh. Yeah, if you want to yeah. go down a, a Dracula kind of route. Yeah, so he's the he's the human embodiment and the, mm. of the AI that well, allows you, it to go around. You see the, the, the world. The, there's a very specific point where Cruz is wearing his aviators that are super spy tech that can you know tell him who everybody is. It's so stylish. And he sort of turns his head very quickly, catches a glimpse of Gabriel, only to see the picture immediately dissolve of gabriel yeah to be sort of disappeared from the from the the image and then he whips off the glasses and he's not there so it looks like the 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 entity the ai is digitally removing yeah. gabriel and they say that it's doing it in real time in as well real time yeah yeah so mm. he, he can't be tracked by cctv or facial recognition or the spy satellites this guy is a ghost yeah just before that um grace is recruited by ethan to slip the key back into the mark's pocket because he needs to get on the plane and whatever he's got to go he's got to take the real key to find the other half of the key they're effectively going to allow him to take the whole key just so that they can get the two parts together and they want to know what it opens and where yeah. that's located so i think i think that they they figured out that the key from the mark that they were that they were chasing was a fake key so so they want to give him their version of the real key so that he takes it to marry it up to get those two parts of the key together and then effectively retrieve them. It's a big gamble, but that's what their plan is. Yeah. Doesn't work there, does it? Doesn't. Because that Mark, who's kind of inconsequential in the, the larger picture, he gets killed. Without any lines. Poor bloke. Poor bloke. I'm going to be in a Mission Impossible film. Yay! What happens to you? Hey, Mum, Mum, guess what happened? I get to walk around an airport. Get to go to Abu Dhabi. That's quite nice. If that's yeah. really where they went, I think they did. Probably get, did. Get to go to Pinewood. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so yeah. anyway, while all this is happening as well, there is another scene where um, uh, Ving Rhames and uh, Simon Pegg are chasing down a potential nuclear bomb. Yeah, but this, so this is this is all just to show the power of the AI. Because when they get to this nuclear bomb, like there's this whole thing where Simon Pegg chases it through the baggage compartment, yeah. the baggage handling area, and there's like to stop of, like, it from getting on the plane that Tom Cruise's characters yeah. get on. Or and uh, and he then supposedly he then so he finds the bag, he opens it up, and he triggers the bomb, and the bomb's got a five minute countdown timer, and then it starts coming up with riddles. It's got like a cryptic personalized riddles for benji it's got, is, it, is it called a cryptex the the thing like it's kind of like in the da vinci code where it's got uh several uh octagonal or maybe more than that yeah uh, tumblers that you have to move to the correct yeah yeah. yeah 
uh, and he has to answer riddles. He's got this little computer screen that gives him riddles, such as, you know, I speak without breath and something or other, I can't remember, or what is always approaching but never arrives. I got that one. So did I. Yeah. So did I. Tomorrow. Yeah, I said tomorrow or the future. Yeah. Either one. Yeah. It's all good. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it also asks some just personal questions. Are you afraid of death? Uh, and he has to answer all these things either truthfully or correctly within the time frame, and he obviously does it just in time, uh, and then the device opens itself up, like literally with two seconds or one second to go on the yeah, timer, because it's Mission Impossible. Yeah, classic movie bomb style. The device opens itself up to uh, reveal that there's nothing in there. There's no nuclear material. No. no. There's no bomb even. No. no. It was a red herring. It was a red herring, just to... To fuck with our protagonist. Was it? Yeah. Was it just to prove a point? I think I can. I can make you, um, you know, run around and do this merry dance. Well, yeah, I think at it, my whim. Yeah, and to prove that that because, uh, like you said, what are you most afraid of? He said losing my friends or something like that. He had yeah. to give the, the truthful answer. So this very corny. It was to prove that this this um, this AI is effectively omniscient. Yeah, and that it can it, it can do all of these quadrillions of calculations per second and essentially it can predict the future yeah. or it can predict people's intentions and actions and so it knew that they would find that bag and that bomb mm-hmm. and that that what went down in the in the uh, in the airport is what would happen it mm. it knew it, that they would do that mm. um bit, bit much yeah uh, it, it was all right. No, I, th- I thought it was okay. Uh, it was uh, yeah, possibly one of the least interesting parts of the film, but still. Yeah, but but, was... but still under like high tension. Yeah, very yeah. high tension. Um, and at this point, uh, at the end of this sequence, um, Ethan Hunt realizes that the real key has been lifted off him by Haley Atwell's character again. Again. And he's because he's been distracted. I can't remember why he was distracted, but was, oh, was it the bombs? It was the bomb thing, wasn't it? They, he... they keep the bomb thing away from him. While all that's going on, he's being chased by um, the, the U.S. government, who are after yep. him to stop him, and uh, and he gets away by running on the roof. And Tom Cruise does his first big run of Mission Impossible. Got a love of Tom Cruise run, and he runs on the top of the airport, and yeah, um, yeah he he runs bolt upright as he does. Um, very straight back, great posture. He's good. Good. Looks he's, odd. Excellent. Looks odd. That's that not how people run. No, no. And uh, yeah, very does, sharp hands. And he does a big. <laughs> yeah, he does a big um, uh, T one thousand run um, yeah. uh, on top of the airport, and he gets away. Yeah. God bless him. So yeah, so Haley Atwell manages to elude him by going through the gate, which then closes behind her, uh, getting onto the plane, and uh, Tom Cruise then says to the team. This AI knows us too much. We need to disperse. Could yeah. Go away. Never come back to me again. I hate you all. I hate you, but I love you. Yeah. In the same way that I feel about Go on, horse. get out of here. <laughs> like like one of those films where they're trying to get rid of the dog. at the end. So Grace has boarded a flight to Rome. So the next time we see her, she's in Rome. She's been arrested for having multiple passports with multiple names on it and she's a very naughty a no- international jewel thief a naughty international jewel thief uh and uh we subsequently find out that of course uh hunt has phoned in the tip about her and he poses as her lawyer and uh effectively they escape while the 
the government men are there to try and find Hunt as well because yep. they followed. I don't know how they followed. I can't remember. They can seem to find him wherever anyway, he goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they get into a well. Uh, Peggy Carter. Of course, I'm saying that. Grace. Uh, Grace escapes the building and gets into an open cop car because there is always an open cop car when you need one for a yeah. chase. Yeah. And, and part, then she part next to it was a, a cop motorbike. Yeah, yeah. Which becomes very useful for yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise then, following her seconds afterwards, jumps on it's the motorbike. All very convenient. No That's... helmet. But Tom Cruise never wears a helmet. No. Doesn't believe in him. I was wondering. I wonder, like, who dyes Tom Cruise's hair? Because it looks very natural. But he can't be. He can't still have his hair color. Uh, there are there are different wigs that he wears. Oh, in really? That, yeah, for continuity, because there was reshoots and things like oh, that. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, there's a moment when he lands a jumping head, but he lands a from a par- off of a parachute, and in You're one shot head. he's coming down and his hair just changes. It, it's like he, as he touched down, he combed his hair. So yeah, so uh, she uh, she jumps in the cop car, he jumps on the cop bike, and a very brief chase ensues, and she crashes almost immediately, which I, which I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, or was that was that Pom Clementoff that crashed into her there, or was that did, when, when are we introduced to Pom Clementoff? I can't remember. It's, it's at it's, this it's point. In this point, it's, yeah, it's yeah. in Rome. Yeah, yeah, Pom, and she's, she's um, you don't quite know it yet, but she's an agent for Gabriel. She's Gabriel's henchman. Yeah, Hench and uh, we might as well call her Harley Quinn throughout because that's the kind of She's a bit psychotic. She's a yeah. She's she's agent part Joker, part Harley Quinn, agent of chaos. Yeah, working for Gabriel just wants to cause as much havoc and damage and pain as I possible. Mean, she's, she's a bit like uh, Ruby Rose's character in John Wick. I want to say three, two, mm, two, three. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, she's just she's just a fighter who's just. I think later on she's even got like a she's got like this splash of white. Oh, she does grease in paint one scene, yeah, and a yeah. little black heart, and again like this little Harley Quinn yeah, yeah. motif. Uh, some of the mm. clothes, it's not it's not in your face. It's quite subtle. Mm. Um, but anyway, this, yeah. this this leads to so like they 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 immediately crash the car. They need to get out, and Tom Cruise gets on his phone and he finds a safe car, you know, like an IMF car that has been left there for yeah, if anybody needs just in it. case yeah because in every street of every town in the world they've got a car somewhere mm. um and so they run off and they find this tiny little yellow fiat cinquecento which which I was loved which was parked behind a, a lovely kind of behind a massive lamborghini supercar. or bugatti type supercar <laughs> and i loved it and they got into that and, and this little fiat 500 comes out and tom cruise immediately crashes that <laughs> because he he turns the dial well he, he presses got the weird controls yeah yeah it's got this weird control i don't know why he needs like what's wrong with the windscreen wipers being on a stalk but he presses the button and they the windscreen wipers come on yeah uh so yeah ignore that but then he turns the dial to turn it into drive i presume and it's just a lot quicker than he was expecting so he immediately crashes it into a wall um and and but then he, he recovers and uh, he drives it very well and then what follows is an absolutely fantastic car chase around Rome. Yeah, around Rome through Roman roundabouts, yeah, yeah. which are down dangerous the, for anyone. Yeah, yeah, down the Spanish steps. Yeah, you know? uh, and uh, was, uh, they start this chase by being handcuffed together. Yes, and immediately when they get into the car, like Tom Cruise is the one that's handcuffed them together, and he realizes he's, he's realized, done the wrong hands. He's realized he's gone the wrong way, and that he now is in the his left hand is attached to her right. So she's in the driver position because yeah. Italian cars are left-hand drive. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he regrets that immediately. Throughout the car chase, there's lots of swapping because mm. she is driving, and then she doesn't want to be the driver, yeah, so they yeah. swap. 
and, and then, then they, at one then, point the yeah. car flips over like it rolls down the end of the Spanish steps, doesn't yes, it? Yeah. It tumbles and tumbles. And then they sort of, it sort of lands upright and they look at each other and somehow they swap swapped seats. seats. That was really That was, that was, that was fantastic really funny. They kind of like look to each other. Uh, and it's just and this, a little this, moment. And this That's scene, the humour. Yeah, and it? when she's driving, she's she's portrayed as obviously being a terrible driver or not not necessarily a terrible driver, but someone who's never driven in a car chase before. Yeah, under pressure, yeah. Inept in a car chase, I would say. Yeah. And it, it, it is so comedically done. And it's it's really, it's a fantastic car chase. And comparing to Dial of Destiny, it looks like it was all really done. It looks really practical. In a real place with yeah. real cars and real yeah. people. And it's it elevates the scene so much. Yeah. I've been saying this for a little while now. I know, uh, Dan, Jesus. And you you look at things like um, shows like The Mandalorian yeah. that use what they call the volume, the big mm-hmm. LED wall that replaces green screen. Mm. And people look at it and go, that's the future of filmmaking. And you go, it is for some things, and it mm-hmm. is to a degree, and it will be a great um, tool for mm-hmm. filmmakers to use, but then filmmakers, directors, DOPs, directors of photography will get bored of filming on not on location, I, and they will want to go back out and do things for real, and I think this is kind of do, testament to that. Do you know what I'm going to compare it to? Red Dwarf, season six and season seven. Oh, okay. that is specific. It is very specific. Season six of Red Dwarf was like the last brilliant season of, of Red Dwarf where it was filmed in front of a live studio audience and it was fantastic. And then they came back in season seven and they had all these big sci-fi ideas. So what they did was they filmed it like as if it was a film. You know, they filmed it as a a non-comedic program and then showed it to an audience to get a laugh track. And the laugh track was artificial. It didn't feel right. You did not have that energy of being in the room with an audience mm. and filming on location and filming in front of green screen in front of these the, like in this volume thing that you described. Yeah. It's a bit like that. It's like the okay, so you might be able to do fantastic things, but you haven't got that energy, the energy no. of being in the real place doing the real thing. I mean, one of the very few times that you can see how much Tom Cruise is aging in this film was in particular when there's a small skydive scene. Uh, and his face was just uh, <laughs> it was flapping about, flapping about in the wind, and it's like this is real. He's really doing this. Yeah. You know, there is a cameraman next to him while he is jumping out of a plane to get this shot, and it's so good. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's not it's it, it elevates it. Anyway, the, the so the the car chase continues, and it's a fantastic car chase, and it ends. Do we do we do it? I need to say too much more about the car chase. I don't think no, there's anything more specific. No, it's just incredibly well done. Yeah, and, um, it's got it's got several different people involved, which is always great comedy when you've got lots of different teams trying to get hold of the same thing. You know, you've got. I, I think that's something to say for for the film is that there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people and teams and motivations to follow, mm. and. It could have easily have gone wrong and been yeah, yeah. really confusing. Yeah, you're but never lost. I was never lost. No, no. Throughout it. I thought so, yeah. it was great. So involved that's a testament the... to the, the, the writing and the storytelling yeah. and the production. So involved in the car chase, you've got the Italian police, like all of them. You've got Pom Clementoff. Yeah. Her name? Mantis from yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. She's chasing in some giant armoured Humvee type thing. You've got the 
government spooks who is played by i don't know who they're played by except for one of them seems to be the brother in every tv series for a while uh he was in boardwalk empire can't remember his name never mind i know who he means he's fantastic he's, he's really good and his yeah. hair was beautiful it was beautiful and the the chase ends on a train track yeah I thought this was a little bit dark, this bit. This was out of order. This was out of order because, you know, there was a bond there between... Well, I suppose we're not quite at that point yet, but Grace has picked her handcuffs. The the, the car has backed onto her train tracks. Grace has picked her handcuffs and handcuffed Ethan Hunt to the steering wheel of this tiny Fiat. Yeah. Tiny yellow Fiat. And And the train's coming. The train's coming, yeah. She leaves him with the paperclip and says, good luck. In a very kind of like but, femme fatale kind of way. But she also but it's like, chucks the paperclip in there and has and no has to guarantee find that he, he can can't find, find it. it straight away. She doesn't give it I to mean, him. I mean, to yeah. be fair, when she left, there was no train coming, but it came pretty Yeah, but she knows what train soon. tracks are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just trying to give the girl the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> no, no, it was, it, mean, was, it was too much. He, in the end, he like, he, he can't, he can't pick the lock. So he ends up ripping the steering wheel off, which to be honest... I think he'd, he'd have a better chance of ripping his own hand off than a steering yeah, wheel of the car. Yeah. But anyway, uh, and diving out of the car. But it, it is, it's one of those things where it's portrayed like he didn't get out of the car and then you cut to him on the side of the train track as the train is whizzing by. Yeah, and if we go back to Dial of Destiny, there was some train track stuff while he's on the horse and he just jumps in front of the train when he's escaping during the ticker tape par- parade and oh. he's on the horse and he goes down into the subway Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I blanked he just that jumps from my in mind. Front of a, a, his horse jumps in front of a train just before it hits him. Yeah, it really no, feels well like it, these so films were being pieces. made in parallel. So many set pieces. That the writers the and the production crew were kind of like, "Well, what are you doing? Well, we're doing some stuff on a train." Yeah, tell me about it. There's, there's also a parachute scene in Dial of Destiny. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Very, very, oh, very, very odd. Very, yeah. very odd. Par- really parallel com- filmmaking. Com- com- Considering they are so completely different, that the elements are pretty much all the same. Mm. I did enjoy the fact that they kept destroying scooters in the car chase. They just crashed and <laughs> drove over all these scooters yeah. and motorbikes. Yeah. So anyway, from there we go to Venice, where we ah uh, uh, Venice ah uh, Venice, where we get to what I'm going to call the Skynet party. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So this is the meeting of all the villains that are trying to find the key. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah, all these criminals yeah. in this massively illuminated, very loud party. Yeah, and we are introduced to the White Widow, yes. uh, so-called because the name Black Widow is taken. <laughs> and uh, she wears white all the time. And she wears white all the time, uh, played by Vanessa Kirby. I feel like I've seen her something before, but I don't know what. She was in Hobson Shaw. She was Not the... seen that. No? It's a Fast and Furious film. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. I'm sure she's done other things as well. I'm sure she has. So, because she, uh, the White Widow, knows uh, him as, is it John Lark or John Locke? Lark. 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 Uh, she thinks that he's some mass murdering uh, killer who she kind of admires and fancies. So I can't remember, but apparently she was in Mission Impossible Fallout, and that's, yeah. that's where she knows him from. Yeah. yeah so and it's, got... it's revealed in, in that film that she's the daughter of a character from the first film. There was a character called Max, uh, a woman in that. And she's mentioned in this film. Oh. But it's all kind of... You, you, you need to know the series quite well. And that's the problem with the Mission Impossible films, that I find. I think we've said it before, is that, that they sort of all blend into one. They all blend into one. They're all fantastic, though. But they all feel like their so, own stories that don't really connect. Yeah. And yet there's this... There is a... I don't want to use the word universe because i think it's used too liberally but there's a you know there's a a serialization of of these films and mm. they they do all follow on 
and yet you can watch them in isolation. So at this party, we've got her, we've got Gabriel, uh, we've got Rebecca Ferguson, and uh, Grace has arrived. Yeah. And uh, everybody's after this key mm. that Grace has. More long, sleight of hand. Long She's story short, it in places. Yeah, long story short, Gabriel effectively says, tomorrow I will be on a train and the key will be placed at my feet. The completed key will be placed at my feet. Yeah, I don't even have to try. Yeah, It's, it's, it's all predicted by the AI. The, yeah, the AI the has, has worked it out, all the probabilities, and this is what's going to happen. Yeah, and also uh, one of these two yeah. women, Grace or Ilsa, will die. And I, he says, and to Ethan he, can he choose. says, I will let Ethan choose, which which he doesn't. No. Ethan doesn't choose. No. Um, He's not really there when um when both the ladies are in no. in jeopardy from Gabriel. And why is he not there? Because he's doing a big long run. He's doing a big long well, he's doing a big long fight at that point actually. So uh That is true. Effectively fight breaks out in there, the the everybody's chasing Grace with the key and Grace has sort of escaped and while while Ethan is fighting other people. Benji and Luther are guiding Ethan to Grace. Uh, yes. over comms because yep. they've got the map and all of a sudden the uh, Benji's voice starts guiding Ethan the wrong way when Benji is not saying anything so the the who could it be so the yeah the AI uh, so he's uh, Gabriel is has arrived on this bridge and starts having a a fight with Grace yeah for the key with knives with knives and swords no knives at this point uh, and uh, and then Rebecca Ferguson arrives while Ethan is trying to. Ethan is. Ethan's been led the wrong way. A merry chase. A merry chase. Uh, a wild goose chase, if you will. Uh, the Benji in his ear all of a sudden stops talking like Benji. The voice is the same, but the mm. words are different. And he basically says, "You're too late. They're on the mini bridge or something." Is what they yeah. said. Uh, and uh, you won't make it in time. Uh, so then Ethan says, "This isn't Benji," and he pegs it. Hey, hey, how'd you do that? I don't know. Just, just came to me. It's just like divine insp- inspiration. Um, and he he legs it towards uh, heading towards this mini bridge and gets caught in the smallest alleyway in the history of the world, mm. having an incredibly claustrophobic fight with henchman number seventeen yeah. and Pom Klementoff. How did you feel about that fight scene in terms of the cinematography, the camera work, and movement? during that very claustrophobic alleyway fight. I was all right with it. You didn't like it. It was very vibrational. Yeah. The, the, camera, the camera was moving, not just frenetically, but it was like, it was, it was bouncing. This happened when Pom's character is driving the car as well. Mm-hmm. There was like a, like a, almost like a dash cam I on her face. And it bounced. Bit. And there was a lot of that with mm. with her character. I don't know if that was a choice. Mm. And that when she's being, when she's being, crazy and uh, frenetic the camera kind of follows her mood mm-hmm. I, I might be implying meaning that's not really there um but yeah that there were moments just just as we were getting into that fight scene where i was like i actually feel a little bit sick mm. uh, i was okay with it uh, one thing that i did think was that uh towards the beginning of that fight i think before pom Klemetov had arrived it's just hunt and henchman and i felt like he was like trying to run and jump over the the, the fence at the end, but this henchman yeah. was pulling him back. Yeah. And I felt like that doesn't feel right for the character. It feels like he would deal with him and then go. 
because the fact that he's not dealing with him means that he's being pulled back and delayed. But maybe he wasn't thinking right. I don't know. I'll forgive it. Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed the fight sequence. Uh, he, he eventually took this guy out by smacking his head against the wall and through a window. Uh, was trying to deal with Paris, played by Pom Clementov. Uh, we'll call her Paris from now on, I think. Mm. Uh, and uh, she was she was quite decent in that. It can be a trope of modern cinema that a little girl can beat a a stronger man. Uh, they can stand toe to toe, and that there is no strength discrepancy when there would be. But I thought that it, it was very well done that you she, didn't feel she, like she takes her lumps. She does take her lumps, and there's one bit where she she uses her entire sort of physical being to hold to restrain Hunt against a wall. Mm. Do you remember that bit? I do. It was. Um... It felt like he was punching her in the crotch. Yeah. Yeah. He hates vaginas. Unless they're on a horse. It's horse or nothing. Cut. <laughs> That. <laughs> yeah, so she was... I don't know. She was restraining uh, Hunt across this very small alleyway. It was, a, it was a bit like in, you know, in Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that Xenia yeah. on the top. Yeah. Famke Janssen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. Uh, except for, yeah, so that the, the, the sort of the initial scene with her, she was like sort of crotching face, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's where uh, she's like strangling him with a with with the thighs. Yeah, I think so. She uh, would kill people by sort of crushing their oh, abdomen. Oh, in Goldeneye, yeah, 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 in Goldeneye. Uh, but yeah, but so she was sort of uh, restraining him by using her whole the core strength, which is kind of what she'd need because yeah. you know her arms are never going to be as strong as to punch Tom Cruise. Mm. Um, but um, but yeah, and then he he spares her life at the end of that important plot yeah, point he could have killed her he could have killed her but he smacks a lead pipe like a few inches above her head yeah she's exhausted from the fight yeah, yeah. he's given her some some proper uh beat down mm. and uh yeah he goes to he could cave her head in with that pipe and and, and in anger all... he smacks it against the wall yeah. and doesn't hit her and and he lets her go and that seem that doesn't seem like a plot point at the time it doesn't it, is it just it yeah. feels like uh it feels like ethan hunt is not a killer he yeah. has killed but he's not a murderer yeah and at that point and he once doesn't have time him, for this he bullshit. he's got things to do so he he then legs off to the mini bridge and this is all intercut with initially with grace being defeated by gabriel yeah. and then rebecca ferguson arriving and having a big fight with uh gabriel uh and losing the fight Shortly before Tom Cruise arrives, spectacularly, and she gets stabbed in the heart yeah. with uh, a flick knife. But even though she had a sword, even though she had a sword, yeah, she brought a sword to a knife fight. Yeah, should have won that. Really, should have. Um, so Tom Cruise did lose one of the women that that he was, uh, you know. Well. Dare we say one of the disposable women in a long line of? I, well, I I did. I did kind of feel like, uh, okay, that one out, this one in. Yeah. You know, it felt like it felt like uh, Hayley Atwell's come in and and they've gone, okay, well, we can get rid of Rebecca Ferguson now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, hold on. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Uh, but I remember her from the last film. She was a bit of a, um, uh, not a double agent, but she her her alliances were never particularly fleshed out she was a bit all over the place with that wasn't she yeah a bit of a grey area yeah yeah she didn't deserve being stabbed in the hmm. the old pump though do you know what I thought with all these mask things that they put on 
You know, like the mask where they yeah. they, they can change someone's face with this mask. Yeah. Like, what if it was like Ron Perlman or Michael Shannon? Those people have got very big faces, and they wanted to, like, you know, pretend to be Tiny Tom Cruise. <laughs> How would that work? Just this giant bubble head. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> One of the biggest faces in Hollywood. They were like, I, I want to be in the IMF. And yeah, like, yeah. Ron, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. You can do, can you do computer stuff? No, I'm I'm a field agent. So we're not entirely clear as to what's happened with the key here. We just had a little off mic comp lab, but we think that Grace or Ethan and Grace, the Ethan and Grace team still has their half of the key. Yeah, because I don't think, I don't think Gabriel, I think maybe Grace might even have it on her person, but Gabriel's not taking it off her. He's just there to kill one of them. Because he says, He's so I don't have to do anything yeah, that the tomorrow. key will come to him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the White Widow, Alana, has one half of the key. At this stage, Ethan and the gang go back to their little headquarters to create a plan. And it's at this point that Grace says, I got her killed. And Luther then says to her, she died for you. There's a very big difference. Hmm. And then uh, Ethan offers her the IMF job. Effectively, he says, uh, "You can uh, you can live this life with us, and I'm not saying you'll survive, but I'll say that your life will always mean more to me than mine." Mm. Which I thought was quite quite nice. Yeah, it was a nice ethos. And if you stay with us and the IMF, you'll you've got a chance. Yeah. And if you don't, then your life will be measured in hours. Yeah, they said it won't be years, it won't be months, it'll be hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, kind of feels like, well, okay, well, you're not actually giving me a choice. It's almost like a threat. It's almost like a threat. Um, So, uh, Grace decides at that point, seemingly, to take the offer. She says that she's going to take the offer and that that when she gets on the train, uh, they they create this elaborate plan for her and Ethan to get on the train. Ethan will then... uh, uh, escape from the train she'll get taken into custody and then at some point she'll be put in front of a guy named Kittredge and then at Kittredge she says uh, Ethan offered me a choice and I've, I'm going to choose yes yeah effectively to join up join up join IMF card carrying member of the IMF yeah but then the they're possible mission force that's correct ugh uh, <laughs> but then their face making their, their face their, their Play-Doh face making kit Breaks down. It's made one uh, disguise in the form of the White Widow for Grace. Yeah. Because they had to do hers first. Um, Well, of course. Uh, And then it breaks down. uh, And so Ethan can't get his mask. Yeah. He can't pretend to be a White Widow's bodyguard. Yeah. So then he says, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll just, I'll get on the train when it slows down at this bend. Cut to the next day. Gabriel's on the train. Gabriel's on the train. And uh, he... Yeah, what was that all about? I didn't understand that. Gabriel's on the train in a box wearing like an oxygen mask. Yeah. Why doesn't he just get on as a passenger? Yeah, and he was wearing a mask that had the entity on it, on like an LED screen. Oh, did it? Yeah. Ooh. Why? Don't know. What the hell was that about? Don't know. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, Pom Clementoff opens up this casket. How did she get onto the train? Did she get onto the train while it was in motion? I believe so. She didn't have a ticket, I'll tell you that. No. Not for the dining car, anyway. No, no, absolutely. She looked very hungry. Anyway, so Gabriel makes his way towards the front of the train, dispatches the train drivers, 
and sabotages the sabotages train, the so train. It can't slow down. Yeah, it's a real gets um, rid of the stop. Button. It's a real speed moment. It is with um, you know that <laughs> film with Keanu Reeves and Keanu. If you're listening, Keanu, yeah, I need that fifty grand. In fact, with inflation, uh, these rates, mate, I'm going to need like sixty-five k. I'll take fifty. I'll take fifty k. It's fine. Okay. Uh, yes, I thought it was really uh, quite, quite mean of him to hang the train driver yeah. so that it was tooting the horn. Is that to make you, it, does that to make it seem like they're in there Do you think that's the way want to go? God, he loves trains. <laughs> loves trains. Yeah. I would like my swinging corpse to be releasing the steam whistle. To attach to toot, toot. an incredibly powerful steam locomotive. Yeah, which we are probably going to get notes on from my friend. Yeah. Uh, oh, Harking back to our Indiana Jones podcast, a good friend of mine uh, who's well into his trains said that that steam train that they used in the beginning of Indiana Jones was a British steam train and wouldn't be in Germany in the 1940s. That is his major gripe. How could you get it so wrong, Mangold? Mangold. <laughs> yeah, Pom, Pom Klanatov, she, she jumps on the train from somewhere, doesn't she? Because I remember thinking... She jumps on the roof from yeah. somewhere. She essentially does what Ethan was going to do before Gabriel... Yeah sabotages the train and makes it go too fast. Yeah. So now Ethan Hunt can't jump onto the train at the bend because it's gone too fast. No, it's gone too the, fast for him. But there is a bomb oh. on the train. In speed, there was a bomb on the bus. Now there's a bomb. Now there's a bomb on a the train. A bomb on the train. How does he do it? <laughs> so God, it's going God too quick. Given wit. Hunt can't get on it. So Benji is now trying to direct Ethan Hunt to the stunt that we've all seen in all the trailers. All the trailers, a thousand <laughs> so, times. Like, the only person in this segment of the film who doesn't know what's coming up is Ethan Hunt, like everyone <laughs> else does. Benji's, like, saying, okay, I'm going to find you a way to get on the train, and he's just basically directing him up a mountain up a on mountain. a trail yeah. bike. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Grace is uh, is on the train. She, she uh, knocks out the real White Widow while she's wearing the mask and then takes yep. her place. Yeah. And she goes to meet the buyer, and the buyer is surprise, surprise, Kittridge. Kittridge. That's <laughs> what you've been to say then, but yeah, yeah, I was, no, you lost the name. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, so it's it's Kittridge, Mister Kittridge from yeah. the CIA. Absolutely, my God, the figurehead of the IMF, which stands for what? Dan? Um, uh, stupid name. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And, um, it's a stupid name, Posse. Stupid name. And at that point, when she meets Kittredge, she puts the two halves of the key together because she's had her own and she got the other one from the White Widow and realises it's the real key. And then she gets offered the opportunity to put in her bank details for the transfer of $100 million. Yeah. And she puts in her bank details and then it takes an incredibly long time for that to go from 0% to 100 percent yeah and at that because it's been encrypted yeah yeah and all the while we've got uh ethan hunt trying to ride a trail bike up a mountain uh and uh, so that he can jump off the mountain because he's got a parachute on because as you do yeah to the train parachute onto the train uh and this is the well, the one bit of cgi that i'm aware in this film yeah so it's that thing about whether it's cgi or visual effects that's cgi i think is it though? Because what they do is they they film. Um, it, it, there's a little bit of splitting hairs about terminology there, but what they're doing is they're filming it for real. Yeah, and then it's manip- a real stunt. manipulating the image. Oh, it's an absolute. It's yeah. an yeah, absolute yeah. real stunt. But what they've done, so you you see Ethan Hunt uh, drive up the peak of a mountain uh, at, at high speed on this motorbike, and then fall off the motorbike. Uh, 
and you know skydive essentially off this mountain yeah and that's a real thing he did that yeah so they build they build a big ramp on the side of the mountain yeah and then they film him going towards the ramp up and over the ramp and then what you're watching him in that kind of bird's eye view Mm. you're watching him uh, descend to the the real ground below there's no and that is all real that's yeah the only bit that's that's fake they paint out the the ramp yeah, and ramp, put in a new. I th- yeah, I thought it was like the terrain around it was slightly different on the the thing, so they just made it look slightly more dramatic. Yeah, but it's, it's like a, a real stunt. It's like a, a matte painting. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've not seen matte painting. Is he good? He's all right. Okay, better than Ralph Harris. <laughs> what this is like? This we've only done four of these, and like this is the second time that you've brought up Ralph Harris. What is your obsession with the man? He needs to be punished. He's dead. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, yes. He made me watch six series of Animal Hospital. You pointed at me then. I didn't make you watch anything. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, Tom Cruise uh, rides this motorbike up and off a cliff and then skydives down into a parachute jump. And there's, it's it's a fantastic stunt. I don't know what he's going to come up with for, for the next one, Dead Reckoning Part 2. Other plot points that have happened is that Gabriel and Pom dispatch Carrie Elwes, the Dread Pirate Roberts, Wesley, because he's the only one who knows where the submarine is. The only man on Earth. Yeah, and he foolishly says, I know where the submarine is, so we could rule the world together. And then Gabriel goes, yeah, but you're the only one who knows where it is, so I, I'm going to kill you. So then no one will know. I don't want to know. Then no one will know. And he slices his throat. And then he immediately turns to try and kill Pom. Yeah. To try and kill Paris. Because he says, you'll turn on me because Hunt saved your life. Yeah. The AI has determined determined and predicted that you will betray the cause. And And so now you die. Yeah. So he tries to kill her. He manages to stab her, but she gets uh, one of the agents that are lying dead from their entrance to the room, one of their guns, and shoots at him, and he runs out of the room. So she is stabbed and not dead at this point. No, but she's not having a good time. She's not having a good day. We cut back to Grace, who's hovering over the accept and decline buttons uh, to receive her $100 million. And surprise, surprise, viewer, she chooses decline and decides to join the IMF. Chooses the path of the hero. Yeah. She's put her own bank details in, but she's changed her mind and she's decided she wants she wants a family mm. in the IMF. She I'm not saying she wants to go and have kids. But maybe she does, though. That money would have helped. From Keanu. <laughs> so she hands over the key to Kittredge and she walks away after having given him a firm handshake. Uh, and then as she's walking away, the real... White Widow, who has woken up and is very groggy, comes in the other end of the carriage. Kittredge checks his pocket, and she's taken the key back. She's only bloody she's only, lifted it again. She's only bloody lifted she both parts now. So now she can't be she trusted. can't be trusted. So now Grace has gotten both parts of the key, and she is making her way down towards the other end of the train. Yeah, she's going to try and escape off the train. Yeah, and unfortunately for her. The bad guys intercept her and she gets in a bit of trouble in the dining car. And she's about to have to hand... Well, she does hand over the key. But then Tom Cruise on a parachute smashes through the window. She's she's about to be shot. She's literally about to be shot. And Cruise smashes in at the exact right part. Yep. Right window and takes out the guy. Deus, did, Deus X the dining car. Did you see that coming? A little bit. Yeah. 
film it. Yeah, I, I saw something coming. I'm not sure I saw it quite. It, again, this was another he, scene. He, he had been off screen parachuting. Mm. Parachute had opened, and then we hadn't seen him for a while. And now she's in danger. Yeah. So the only thing that could happen. Well, he was either going to like <laughs> arrive at the end of the carriage, but they decided on a more dramatic. Entrance. It was. It was very good. But it I was, was like, also, yeah, of course you're going to do. And that. it was somewhat comical as well because he's like completely baffled with what just happened. He's just yeah. taken out the guy with the gun. He doesn't know it. Uh, and then uh, the the guy with the gun recovers and is pointing the gun again, but the uh, the the wind catches his his parachute that's hanging outside the train and smacks him back into the guy with the gun. Yeah. So it's a little comical, but it's very well done. It's really good. Yeah. It's really and, good. And Ev- on all everything, this, everything on the train is very, oh, very good. Oh, it's fantastic. Good. And in all this, the key is left on the floor. So once all the action is settled down, who do we see? But Gabriel. Gabriel, Gabriel, standing with the key at his feet. Yeah. And he picks up the key. Yeah, as just, predicted. Just as he predicted he would. Yeah. And then... So we can tell this this next bit is pretty quick. Big fight on top of the train. Yep. Gabriel and Tom Cruise. And Grace is also on top of the train. Yes. Gabriel doesn't win the fight, but there's a standoff between government men, Gabriel and Tom Cruise. Gabriel's got a timer on his watch, counting down to, you know, and it's like on the 10 second mark. And then at the 10 second mark, he just jumps off the train and lands on a... Uh, the back, a, back of a truck back that's of a, all padded. Yeah, yeah. Strategically placed flight in there for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, either predicted by the the entity, the yeah. computer AI, or yeah, set up well in advance mm. by Gabriel himself. So then, Tom Cruise and uh, Haley Atwell go about trying to stop the train. Tom Cruise says to the government men who now trust him for some reason, "You've got to get everybody towards the back of the train." Yeah. Uh, so they save the innocents. Yeah. So they go through getting everybody to the back of the train. Tom Cruise and Haley Atwell go to the front of the train, realise they can't stop it. So they work on detaching the yeah. uncoupling the, the locomotive yeah, engine. The engine. Just in time they do because Gabriel has planted bombs at a very large bridge over a ravine. Yeah. And the engine goes flying into the ravine, but the train, once it's detached, the brakes automatically kick in the rest of the carriages and they slow down. Oh, stop though, because that would be less dramatic. Mm. And then it what looks follows... like they're going to stop just at the edge. Yeah, bit like bit like Tobey Maguire and Spider Man Two. Yes, but no, <laughs> but no. It, the carriages have still got enough momentum. Yeah, yeah. And the first carriage starts to teeter off the edge where the bridge used to be. So Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell, get up on top of the train on the roof, and they run. They jump to the next carriage, and they're safe. Or are they? But it, it continues to go. That's the the kitchen carriage, is it? I think that's, that I, was I think the first that's one. They go to the kitchen carriage. I think the kitchen carriage was the first one that they go through. It's the first one they go through. They run over the top of one, then they go into the next yes. one because it hasn't started to teeter yet. Yeah. And as it starts to to teeter, my new favourite word. There's lots of uh, oh, the, hot chip oil. There's, there's hot chip oil. About. There's oil on the floor, so it's slippy. The gas hobs are on. You the, see the, the pipes. All, all of the gas hobs were left on at max. <laughs> Absolutely, and you see the gas pipes have all come disconnected, and you yeah. see them sort of like splaying around like yep. giving out gas everywhere that carriage is going to explode i any mean minute. yeah it's like kitchen knives are flying everywhere it's like just... it was all the chip oil for me <laughs> the chip oil was that just was yeah, like, yeah. like a volcano about. yeah just waiting for them and they have so they have to make it through that carriage and but they do obviously good for them and then they get to the next carriage i can't remember what the next one is it might be the one with is it 
do you think? Yeah. So they get to the next carriage, and uh, I don't think it is. I think there's another one they get to before that, because that one was quite... Maybe there's a passenger... I think that was a penultimate carriage, yeah. Yeah, maybe there's a passenger cart that they have to yeah. get through. And um, it, because it's falling off the edge, they have, they have to climb up the seats as though they're like ladders. Yeah. Um, and and jump to jump to a bar. Um, yeah, and, yeah, that's that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's lots of... It all becomes very vertical for them, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's it very is. good. And, and it reminds me of the reminds me of the the game Uncharted yes. Two on the yes. PlayStation. Um, I can't remember if they did that train section in the film Uncharted with Tom Holland. They did. Uh, did a they do the train? Bit of. I think they did. Yeah. Well, in in, in classic form for this new impossible uh, Mission Impossible film, where the um, Impossible Mission Force work, um, they they do it better than. But the inspiration for it, yeah, if yeah. if that be the inspiration for it, you know that was that that was a very famous bit from that game that then probably got interpreted by its movie counterpart, and then Mission Impossible Two, Tom Cruise production goes, do you know what we're going to do that a thousand times better? Yeah, and they yeah. do. God damn it! That's good. it. I love the sequence. I love them going through the kitchen one and it, you know, having like all these impossible odds against you, like the the gas and the the chip fat, and then they go to the next one and like you say, they're 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 hanging up. They're having to climb up the seats and they're hanging off the bar. The bar is slowly. No, that's the last one. Yeah, that yeah, is the last I, one. I do think the next one was with the. Uh, oh, that's what I mean. The but, Joanna. I, no, I think there was another one though between those, but it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so then they they, they get to. Uh, I think this is the first one that they go completely vertical on, and they uh, mm. uh, they get they they're climbing up as much as they can, and they are find themselves in a situation where there is a grand piano hanging above yeah. their heads, about yeah. to fall on them, and at that point that, that's I been laughed. Strapped. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed a lot. Yeah, I was like, it was so funny. The grand piano for the sake of it being on a train and not rolling all over the place has been strapped to the floor with, and now a, with it's a belt buckle tiny little clasp <laughs> and now up. that is what is stopping it from yeah. crushing them to death it's, yeah and uh, and they have to musically they have to jump out from under it and they do and it, it crashes and over it's them. just in time just it's in good. time it's good it's great mission impossible the, the, down to the last second the, the, the tension this was the in, bit in this train sequence of them ex- escaping the falling carriages it was just non-stop. This was the bit that, that I that, that I likened to Top Gun Maverick. You know, it was just that like, that constant tension that yeah, no, they're they not going to make it, but clearly they're going to make up, it. Keep yeah, ramping yeah. it up. And then they, they get into the and final. It was a bit like terrain. computer game levels. Wasn't it was, it, if you know what I mean. It was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they get into the final, uh, the final carriage, and they've climbed up all the seats, and they're on. They're, they're hanging off of a uh, the rail of a bar, the railing yeah, of a bar. Brass rail. There's brass, and it's slowly giving way. Like Tom Cruise is holding Haley Atwell with one arm, and the other arm he's holding onto this bar, and this bar is like breaking gonna go. and going to yeah. go. And then in pops Pom Clementoff, Pom Pom Paris, and she saves the Tom Cruise and yeah. the Haley Atwell. Yeah. And then you know she pulls them up into the the, the next carriage, uh, and they're all finally safe and she sort of says you know gabriel was right i betrayed him to save you because you saved me that was what he had predicted and then she dies and, what, what does she and then she dies but then a few a minute or two later one of the government agents comes in and goes we've got a weak pulse so she doesn't die yeah um Back but then we, we also we also cut to uh gabriel on his uh on his flatbed bed because <laughs> It did Nicely. look very soft. It looked lovely soft. Yeah. Uh, and he's he checks his pocket and he's got no key. 
So he realizes what an, what that an idiot. he realizes that Tom Cruise has lifted that off him, and he still has it. What a fool! Mm. So at this point, Tom Cruise escapes out the back of the uh, the, the the train uh, because he's got another parachute, uh, which is called a uh, something wing. I thought it was yeah. going to be like a wing suit, you know, like the Red oh, Bull kind okay. of guys. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be that. No, it's one and of those. And he says, but he says, I can only it'll only take one person. I can't. Yeah. I can't take you, Grace, and me and get out of here. But he's already said to Grace in the previous scene that Grace needs to go and say to Kittredge, I accept I you know, accept the offer. I make I the choice. Make the choice. And that's what Grace goes and does when Tom's to off be the an train. Possible mission fellow. Yeah. And then that's pretty much the end of the film. Yeah. So you don't need to see it now. End of part one. We have dissected, dissected and explained it. every moment and nuance of the film over the last, what's it been, seven hours? Yeah, seven or eight. Yeah. Got a lot of that. To the edit room. <laughs> to the edit bay immediately. To the edit cave. Um, <laughs> so it's two massively prominent thumbs up for me. Loved it. Absolutely fantastic. It it just, it didn't it did, stop. It did in everything terms of like, that Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny did, but did it competently. Oh, I think that's a damning and scathing, <laughs> scathing indictment review of, Dial of, of Destiny. Uh, Dial of Destiny was fine. Did it more competently? Mission it Impossible was excellent. It did it, yeah. It did it more real, and that was, I think, yeah. I think yeah. that was the big difference. Well, that's our review, which is literally just a dissection because we don't know how to review things of Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Part one. Thankfully, we have managed to finish part one before part two was released for a while there. We weren't sure we were going to make it. Hopefully, you've enjoyed listening to us talking absolute bollocks and just dissecting this far too much. But we really enjoyed it. And we hope that you will join us here again next time. And we really hope that you went out, saw Dead Reckoning Part 1. In the cinema. And that you enjoyed it. And hopefully before we uh, spoiled the living yeah, yeah. hell out of it. Absolutely. If you enjoyed our little attempt at potting, please like, share and subscribe. And, you know, you, you're your own man. Just stand up on your own defeat. You don't need to bow down to this dictatorship of subscription and Patreons and OnlyFans. Be an individual. Do whatever you want. Do you think that only men listen to us? Yeah, as soon as I said that, I was like, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have said that. I've just excluded half the audience. Oh, more than half these days. Really? Yeah. Ladies, if you're listening, we appreciate you. We see you. We're your ally. Take care, everybody. We look forward to the next time that we are shouting in your ears. Wife's gonna be so fucking annoyed. This recording will self-destruct in five seconds. <laughs>